you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. I sense a disturbance in the force. You always sense a disturbance in the force. We're doomed. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Ow! Help me! Part two! This is where the fun begins. And now. Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Hello, and welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday. This is number, oh, episode 34 already. I am Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my co-Star Wars freak, Scott Gardner. Yes. Hey, I'm freak for Star Wars. <laughs> yes, Star Wars. I like to rub it on my body. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, man? Great. So Star Wars. Yes, I'm so excited for this because this is it, dude. This is the end of an era. With this episode, we see the very last of the pre-Return of the Jedi era for, for Marvel Star Wars comics. Both a triumph for our show and, and, and a bit of a bit of a of a sad moment i guess just because this, this is definitely my favorite era for uh for the marvel star wars stuff so it's it's kind of sad that you know we're, we're we're passing that point but that's for that's for a little later in the episode first up i just want to talk just just some general star wars what's what's new for us with star wars what's up for star wars what did you you got anything for uh for star oh, wars this month the only thing really Star Warsy I did this month is I just I, I think we might have talked about it last month or or we might have talked about it we might have just talked about it but I know you saw it too but I saw the season 4 trailer for Clone Wars mm-hmm. and it looked really beautiful like beautiful looking there were a lot of real painter painterly gorgeous scenes a lot of underwater stuff coming because it looks like we're on Mon Calamari, or whatever the world is. I know the people are the Mon Calamari. I think that's so. the name of the planet, too, if I'm not mistaken. Well, remember last time around, we were talking about this, and uh, I had something, you know, I had said something about I wanted to see, like, a young Admiral Akbar, and you, you had made the joke about, you know, like, as a tadpole or something. Uh-huh. Well, I was looking at his uh, bio today on um, Wikipedia, or Wookie, rather, Wikipedia. 
And under for the very first listing under appearances, it says Clone Wars Season 4. Didn't list a specific episode, but it, do, it did say Clone Wars Season 4. So apparently we are going to see... You know, a mini a, a young, yeah, a younger ranking Akbar, you know, a lower ranking Akbar, which should be interesting because I likes me some Admiral Akbar, and I, he better say it's a trap too, damn it! So, somebody will probably say it. They'll try to probably be witty about it and have some, some, but there, yeah, there's got to be some trap reference. Maybe he'll get, maybe he'll just get caught in a trap. That would be cool. That if would he be gets awesome. like, <laughs> like a lobster trap or something. You know what would be great is if it, if if it was just an an you know an Akbar episode where he, it was like he was the main character and constantly through the episode he keeps falling into traps so that you come to realize at the end of it that's why he's, he's an so expert fucking paranoid on, yeah well he's yeah. an expert on traps you know so he recognizes a trap when there is one something <laughs> I don't know it's kind of a stretch I guess <laughs> well. You know, I mean, that's all we really have from Ad- for Admiral Akbar as far as characters is, you know, out of all the millions and billions of things that Admiral Akbar's probably said in his life, you know, everybody keeps focusing on the trap. <laughs> I said it once. It was a trap. It was obvious. <laughs> oh, oh, let's see. What else you got? That's about, I, oh, well, a little bit of uh, remember our um, our friend um, Jamie Benning. Jamie, yep, Jamie Benning. Jam Davdar is his That's Davidar it. or something yeah, like that. Is his yeah. is his um, Jambe Davdar. Yeah, and uh, you know he did the those wonderful. Everybody should check them out. They're on YouTube. Um, Building Empire, Returning to Jedi, and finally he did uh, re- uh, the Star Wars Begins, and they're basically like the ultimate um commentary tracks he's just tracked down all all sorts of interviews and stuff and inner and behind the scenes stuff but he intercuts them along with the movie just playing so sometimes you'll be you'll be watching the movie for a few seconds and then all of a sudden you see uh you know a sort of faded out color shot of of the cameras working on that same scene and you know you hear George Lucas talking about whatever problem they were having and they're they're wonderful for even for the most jaded seen it all Star Wars fan they put a whole they're just new dimension to it well he's starting to do uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark one yeah and that's you know I mean, I love the Star Wars stuff, but, I, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, I've said it before, is one of the, it's like the perfect, it's just a perfect movie. And I'm re- and <clears throat> I've seen a lot of behind the scenes Star Wars stuff. Not so much Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, Not so true. much familiar with the making of and the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that, you know, and seeing Steven Stitz. Steven Spielberg get work behind the scenes will be really neat too. I just found out he's doing a Lincoln movie. Hmm. It's supposed to come out next fall. He's doing the one about the the horse that's coming out pretty soon, and then he's going right into doing a movie about Abraham Lincoln. So that should be pretty interesting. All I know is he better at the very end of it. He better go, hold on, dudes. Or I'm gonna. I'm sure he will. That's that's like Lincoln's tagline. <laughs> That's what all America knows Lincoln for. 
Sadly, I bet you're right. I bet now, you yeah, I was just going to say. That that's all they know of Abraham Lincoln right there. I was just going to say that was a joke, but then all of a sudden my brain went, idiocracy. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to the White House. I love you. <laughs> I'll be curious to see what the. I wonder if it's going to be like an actual like docudrama or if it's going to be some science fiction thing with LinkedIn. On, no, it's or? based on a book. It's based on a true book, and it's about Lincoln. When Lincoln got elected, mm-hmm. he had the most freakish cabinet of all presidents. He like, I mean, he, uh, in the you know, I mean, Lincoln becoming president, he was an embattled, oh yeah, you know, candidate, and. uh he had many enemies and a lot of his enemies when he became president he appointed a lot of like people who hated his guts to his cabinet and i don't know if he was thinking you know the the old mafia you know uh keep you, keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer or if he was just you know um wanted to have people with you know wildly diverse opinions or or whatever or but that's what the the book was about so it, there's a lot of characters who are sort of hit you know auxiliary characters that are going to be the focus of it too and it's it's more about it sounds more about like the workings of his presidency rather than say a civil war sort of story you know i don't think it's going to be about him freeing the slaves or every, anything like that or i doubt there's going to be any cherry trees chopped down or anything like that was that him or was that George Washington that chopped down the chair? I don't think that that story. I think that story is apocryphal. That story is no bullshit. Who, yeah, yeah, who you apply it to? I, I, yeah. I think that's Captain Ahab, dude. Oh um, right, right. No, it's Captain America. But you know, you just you just put me in mind of something that uh, I, I seldom allow myself to take any side or any part in this argument. There's that long-standing argument among fanboys of Star Wars versus Star Trek. Which one's better and which one's worse and all that bullshit. And, you know, you and I have, have since the history of, of Two True Freaks began, we have been about inclusion and and not taking sides and, and really trying to teach people that, you know, you can cross the streams, it's perfectly all right, and, you know, kumbaya and all that sort of thing. However... You just made me realize that there is one way. Sadly, this, are you gonna are you gonna which, give your big butt now, Dottie? Yeah, exactly. You know, there is one way in which Star Trek does have it all over Star Wars. Is that Star Wars never had Abraham Lincoln? Star Trek had Abraham Lincoln. You know, you, Star you, Wars you, hasn't had had Abraham Lincoln yet. Yeah, just <laughs> give it time, because Abraham Lincoln sort of makes his way into everything eventually. <laughs> You know, there's still Star Wars comics and there's still Clone Wars. Do not give up hope, Scott. There could even be a Planet of the Apes Star Wars crossover with an ape Abraham Lincoln. That <laughs> We're really be, unlucky. Okay, I want that right now. Like, the next movie has to be that. <laughs> I would settle for Admiral Akbar with an Abraham Lincoln beard, actually. I think that could be really cool. Star Wars Planet of the Apes crossover would be awesome because Chewbacca would be like they would they would be like you are a god. <laughs> Chewie, you know, I mean cuz Chewie's always just sort of sta- the only thing Chewie ever is is something to scare other people in Star Wars, you know. He's got his friends, but everybody else is scared shitless of him. And Planet of the Apes it would be like, you know, usually there it's like 
Oh, Luke or Leia or Han that or C-3PO gets put up on his go- chair as a golden god, but this time it would be good old Chewie. That's something we're going to have to remember to bring up when we do uh, Return of the Jedi month. That's something that actually always kind of annoyed me a little bit about Return of the Jedi is why the hell would the Ewoks worship 3PO? They should worship Chewbacca. Exactly. They should look at Chewie and go, oh my god, he's one it's, of us. He's freaking huge. Look at the, the size Uber, of this guy. It's the Uber Ewok of of prophecy. You know yeah, what it exactly. is, though? I, you know what it is? And I it's realized this even when I was 15 years old. I realized it at that tender age. You know what it comes down to? It, it's prejudice. It's prejudice against the handicapped. Because Chewie, you know, has a speech impediment. So, you know, they, they look at him and they, well, instead you know, of worshipping him the way they do, they're just like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? I can't understand a word he says. Well, it's it's funny, well, because when we see Chewie, he's like, Rawr, you know, but when it translates into language, he might have saw the Ewoks and been like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hey, little fella, what's going on? And they're like, what's up with this guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a list, you know? Who knows what Chewie... Or, or maybe he has the equivalent of, like... Maybe he was like... So what y'all got to eat around here? <laughs> They're like, oh, Jesus. It's from the south end of the galaxy. <laughs> I like that. Come along, fine, sir. We've got some victuals over here. Sounds good. Hey, you got any rotten meat? <laughs> I was just looking at a, a website for that guy, uh, the Star Wars Begins creator. There's a site here, uh, Star Wars Begins creator on 10 things you didn't know about Star Wars. And I don't know whether to feel really proud of myself that I actually did know all these things or very disappointed that this website didn't tell me anything I didn't already know. Because it's pro- because, you know, uh, the thing about jamie is he's been doing this star wars thing for years right and he's had his follow followers of star wars fans but then he actually busted into semi-mainstream you know like the bbc did a little news clip you know about you know some star wars fans will even make their own film and you know his and they did a little interview with him and everything so i think a, a, the w- once he started getting articles written about him they were aimed at the at the weekend warriors, you know, or the people who are just like, yeah, my kids like Star Wars. Oh, that's an interesting little piece. Yeah, well, right. You know. So I think a lot of it was was written with yeah, without with us the, uber geeks in unwa- mind. Yeah, with the unwashed masses in mind, rather than <laughs> you know, than uh, us cultured geek elite. Yes, I washed <laughs> last week. I wa- I did too. Coincidence, <laughs> man. Well, moving right along, I got a few things <laughs> to bring to the to the table. Yes, as, as promised. The, in- the, the the subject of freak hygiene gets sloughed <laughs> right away, real quick. I, I see. I understand. <laughs> as promised in uh, last Comics Monthly Monday, I am going to talk about the other half of the awesome, awesome swag that I got. I got tons of awesomeness from listener Kirk Landry. Kirk is awesome. He sent me a big old box of stuff. How, and, could he, uh, how could he not be awesome with that name? I know I love that name, isn't it? Isn't it cool? It's like a combination of like Captain Kirk and that dude that used to own the Dallas Cowboys. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I only know that because I had a comic so book that's, of Tom Landry. That's the only that's reason almo- I That's know almost that. like being named like, you know, Max Powers or something like that. You know, that's just a, a vital manly name. 
So send me some stuff. <laughs> Kirk Landry, manly man. Awesome. Or he sent, uh, along with the stuff that I had mentioned in Comics Monthly Monday, this was the Star Wars swag that was in there. I got this awesome magazine article, I, or magazine rather, I need to read the whole thing. It's a film review special, Star Wars 20th anniversary. And this thing is massive. And looking at it, I don't see... Oh, wait, here it is here. I was going to say I didn't see an American price on this thing, only a pounds price. So I thought maybe it was from overseas, but it does have an American price on it, too. But I'm not sure where it comes from. I've never seen this before, but I've got to read it. It's got some great uh, articles and photos. I mean, it's just really nice. So I got to definitely check into this and read the whole. Ooh, there's an article in here with John Cleese. What the hell is that all about? I don't know what John Cleese has to do with Star Wars, but I got to read this. Well, it was filmed in Britain. He was British, and geeks like Monty Python. So. Yeah, I, th- I think <laughs> is a is a um, is an English publication. So I, I definitely got to read this. But I was flipping through it the other day, just looking at all the gorgeous pictures that were in it. So that was one thing. But the thing that got me most excited. This is pretty cool. It's the, there's these large magazine size, and these are English. These are. Um, they're kind of like those Marvel UK titles that I've been getting uh-huh. from uh, from Andy Leland. Lay Leyland. Leyland. But what these are is rather than being Marvel UK titles, these are Dark Horse UK titles, and it's the first three issues of Dark Horse's Star Wars, but the UK version. So it's the beginning of the Dark Empire adaptation. But it's in a larger, like, magazine format style, and it's really uh-huh. cool because the first half of the magazine is, like, one chapter of Dark Empire, and then the second half is this Indiana Jones story. So this is some really cool stuff, and it's in a, a really unique format, and uh, comes with, like, trading cards and all kinds of stuff. It's pretty cool. So I thought I think that that's what I think neat. that's what Andy Leland was, talk- Lay- he was talking about those also. Oh, was he? Because remember, he mentioned something. He's like, I could send Chris some of the new UK Star Wars. That's right. And, I, yeah. and we were like, there's new UK Star Wars? That, yeah, that may yeah, that may have actually been what he was talking about. Now that you say that, I forgot entirely about that. And lastly, I thought this was really cool. I never actually had any of these. I remember them when they were out, but I never actually owned one. It's a Star Wars handheld arcade game. And it's uh, it's a Death Star battle. And it's one of those those little ones, you know, not quite as primitive as like say like the handheld football or baseball ones that were out when we were kids. Right. But it's kind of that same style where it's got like really simple graphics, and around the like the bottom half of the screen, you've got a, a Y, uh, excuse me, an X wing that you move kind of like Tempest style, but it only moves at the bottom half of the screen, like in a like in a U shape. And then uh-huh. at the top of the screen, you've got these TIE fighters that start out as dots and they slowly get bigger and bigger coming at you. So it's very much like a Tempest-style game. You know, you've got to take them out before they hit you with their with their laser shots. But it was really cool. I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I thought that was really neat. And I wanted to, uh, again, thank Kirk for that because I love free stuff. So yeah, yep. but that was cool. You've always been all about the free stuff. I am I've all about you. free stuff. <laughs> Hey, I have long joked, but it was only one of those like, you know, there's a lot of truth in the jest kind of things that uh, I only got into podcasting for the free swag. So So keep it coming. I finally, finally managed to score on the extreme cheap, the new uh, Star Wars Omnibus 
uh, of Quinlan Voss, Jedi in Darkness. I can't wait to reread this stuff. This was, I think, probably my favorite stuff of Star Wars, uh, Dark Horse's Star Wars stuff that they ever put out was the uh, the Quinlan Voss story. I love this stuff, and this this is, I mean, it's a huge volume. This is like. See, it's like 500 and something pages, I think. Yikes. Something like, I mean, it's massive, but I mean, it reprints a lot of stuff, a lot of material. Let me see if it has a complete listing here. Volume collects Star Wars, uh, Star Wars Twilight, Star Wars 26, 23 through 26, Infinity's End, Star Wars Darkness, Star Wars The Stark Hyperspace War, Star Wars 40 through 41, The Deveronian Version, and Star Wars Rites of Passage. That's a ton yeah, because most of those storylines that it mentions there are, are it's like several issues. issues. Yeah, they're like four issue chapters. So that's a lot of reading. Yeah, I'm looking at the contents here. Rite of Passage starts on page 413. So this is a big old half right here. But uh, I'm looking forward to rereading this because I really like uh, Quinlan Voss. I think he was really cool because he's he's a badass. You know, he was he was as close to somebody like. Uh, say like a like a Django Fett type of character that but was actually a good guy you know was actually one of the one of the Jedi but he just he had a dark side to him you know what I mean he had kind of an edge to him he was he was uh-huh. a lot more you know kick ass and take names later you know more of a of a man of action man and... of a- yeah yeah you know he was very much no nonsense whereas a lot of the other Jedis were always you know preaching you know peace and patience he was more like let's go in there and kick their asses you know i like that he, he was much more of like a you know cowboy diplomacy kind of guy so I, I really enjoyed that but uh yeah i can't wait to read that and um there was a new star wars series just started up from dark horse uh it's kind of like a revival of an old one it's uh dark times i forget what the subtitle is of it but it's a new st- series that just started out with star wars dark times and then there's a subtitle to it but it's a revival of the star wars dark times um series that was going on which was after star wars republic ended then they started a new series called dark times which was taking place like immediately after the fall of the old republic and you know when the empire was on the rise and I haven't finished that yet. I started reading it, and then I had—I only had like spotty issues, so I was waiting until I could collect all the issues to sit down and read it. So I haven't actually finished that series yet, but I did pick up the new number one just to check it out, and it looks really interesting. So now I'm going to have to track down the rest of the issues of the old series and finish it and, and read forward because it looks like it's going to be good. And I'm intrigued by that era, you know? The whole, you know, in-between story, you know, the in-between years mm-hmm. between, you know, chapter three and four. And uh, I'm, I'm enjoying that other one so far. The, what is it, Star Wars Jedi? It's the one with um, Qui-Gon Jinn. That one's been pretty good. So it's a little bit slow, but I'm going to wait until I get through the whole first story arc to see, you know, whether I think I'm going to stick with it. But so far, it's, it's been interesting. I, I've been enjoying it. But it's it's odd because it suddenly hit me the other day what it feels like is like, you know, when we went back to... You know, the when Phantom Menace came out, it was basically it was a whole new Star Wars, and you only had just a couple of recognizable characters. You know, just enough to kind of give you at least a, a sense of, you know, okay, I can follow this guy because I know who he is, kind of thing. That's kind of how this this one with Qui Gon Jinn is. Is that he's really, you know, him and Yoda, 
and maybe one or two other characters are really the only people that you know in the book. So you're kind of relearning Star Wars all over again with like this one guy as your familiar base. So it's it's a little early yet to figure out, you know, which characters I'm going to latch on to and, you know, who are the real good guys and who aren't, you know, who are, you know, playing games behind his back kind of thing and stuff like that. But it, it's interesting so far. I'll follow it for at least a little while longer before I, I decide whether I'm truly, you know, going to stick with it or not. And uh, I went and did the research. I mentioned this, I think it was like two episodes ago. We were talking about, I forget exactly how we got onto the subject, but talking about like the characters that were like specially created for the Marvel Star Wars series, you know, that Joe Duffy and some of the other creators came up with and how eventually, you know, post Return of the Jedi, the, the focus would start to shift away from like Luke and Leia and Han and them and focus a lot more on these other characters. Remember I was saying that I thought that I had read somewhere or heard somewhere that eventually Lucasfilm even started to tell Joe Duffy what she could do with those characters, despite the fact that they were characters she herself had created. And then I got to doubting myself. I was like, wait a minute, am I confusing that with DC's Star Trek? Because I know DC Star Trek did the same thing where Paramount stepped in after a time and said, you know, all these characters you've created, we don't really want you to use them anymore. Because uh-huh. you'll notice that between like the series we're examining right now on Star Trek Monthly Monday and the series that comes along later, that Baxter paper series, right. none, of, none of those characters carry forward. Like like Bear Claw and Nancy Bryce and Conom and all of that, you won't see them again. Because between somewhere between the two series, Paramount cracked down and said, we want you to focus on Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and those guys and screw the rest of these other people. So I was trying to remember, was I remembering the story right or not? So I went back and I read that, um, that Back Issue Magazine article that I, I mentioned a while back. And I mentioned talk about this last episode and I totally forgot. But I was right. I did remember it right, that that was one of the big reasons why they finally decided or you know marvel pretty much did it but joe duffy had kind of had it in her mind as well they kind of decided to pull the plug and go out on a high note while they felt like the series was still good you know before it would just devolve into crap because they had nowhere to go couldn't do anything yeah Yeah. because because uh lucasfilm just started to put the pressure on them too much as far as you know, right after Return of the Jedi, they already had limitations as far as, you know, you can't deal with this revelation. You can't deal with that revelation. We don't want you to play with the relationship between these two characters. We don't want you to further this plot element or whatever. So she had already established some new characters. Then she just kept creating more and more new characters so that eventually these could be the people that you could have drama with, you know, that you could kill them if you wanted to or put them in life-threatening situations or have them grow their character or whatever you had to do and so what did lucasfilm do they step in and say all right well here's what we want you to do with these characters and here's what you can't do and she's like well wait a minute i created these friggin' characters you know so that's why they pulled the plug but anyway i i just i went back to research that because i wanted to know was i really remembering that right or did i have the two different franchises confused but no i was right and that's pretty much what what ends up happening. So, I'll be curious when we get there, you know, to the end of the series. Do we still feel like it goes on a, on a high note or not? Because I've been looking at that a lot, and I reread this whole article. I found it very interesting. And the the writer of the article, he seemed to think that it didn't 
go out on such a high note after all. So I'll be curious if I still feel the same way when we get to the end. Because I remember it going out very triumphantly. I remember it just kind of ending. And feel well, yeah, I I remember I remember you and I discussing like the artwork and the new direction of it and how it had it took on I, I don't know if this is gonna come out right. It took on a girly feel. It had a, a it, woman yeah. who was drawing yeah. it. It had a sort of anime edge to it, and yeah. it had a lot of focus on a lot more focus, or I should say, it started sort of doing equal focus on male and female characters. And had a more abstract anime sort of look to it, which was very strange at that time in a normal comic. It was, you know, it was completely... And I have purposely kept from reading those because I don't know how that art's going to look to my eyes now. Right. You know, but I remember, I remember we were like, well, the art sometimes isn't the greatest illustrative art, but it was very interesting. And we were, I remember we were digging it. We were like, I like that they're trying new stuff and it still feels Star Wars-y. So I remember we were like, we were like, well, Star Wars has jumped the shark or something. We were kind of into it. And then, yeah, just like you said, it was over. It just sort of, it was like one day it was like, and you know, this is pre-internet and even like widespread comic magazines and stuff. So I don't even know if we knew it was coming till it. I had no idea because I I was just going to say, I I had no idea it was coming because I remember the day I walked into wherever I bought 107 from, which was probably that little mom and pop grocery right there on factory street in Watertown, more than likely. And I remember walking in there and getting the issue and it's bannered right on it. Final issue and going into like a cold sweat panic. Well, final issue, you know, I had, I literally had no idea it was coming and it does. It just, it's, it's rolling right along and boom, it was over. And looking back on it now, I'm really glad that that's the way it ended because it was, mm-hmm. it was fairly well wrapped up in everything. And I'm glad it ended before it could get to a point where it was like, man, this sucks, you know, because yeah, it, it didn't I'm- suck. I enjoy, I was enjoying it. So that's why, you know, it, it's. I understand they were probably in a horrible position of, you know, yes. they didn't want to let the fans down and everything by just ending the book. But at the same rate, you know, the last thing you want to do is have it go, you know, way beyond, you know, the the point where people are enjoying it anymore. Or whatever, you know, just devolve into crap. But it's still that's still one of the big, you know, the great disappointments of comics to me is when the book did finally end because man you know as i think we've aptly demonstrated by by now we love this stuff you know this yeah there's some great stuff in here a couple more quick things before we uh, get into the episode proper as far as uh issue coverage um did you yes. get the email i sent you um the little Which request one? we got a little request a couple of days ago and i'm telling you it's killing me inside it is killing me we got an email from, oh, forgive me, I cannot think of the woman's name, but the woman that was in charge of, or is in Brandy charge. Brandy Rotsey. That's it. In charge of panels at Dragon Con. Yes, I did get that email. I had yeah. no idea what you're talking about till just then. Yeah, yeah. I know. I want to be there so bad. She emailed, just completely out of the blue, emailed me and was like, Dragon Con needs you. Come back to Dragon Con. Do some more stars. And I was like, oh my god, don't do this I'm, to me. You know, I'm flattered that I'm flattered with such a fucking huge convention that they remember us from three years ago now or two years ago or whatever, you know, coming on three 
three years ago. Urban Oil coming on two well, years you know, ago. After, after last year, and you know, they had thousands and thousands of, of people demanding their money back and going, you know, what the hell do you mean Two True Freaks isn't here? You know, I mean, well, we they, actually, they, they we don't had, want that. They don't want that scene again, you know? Well, last year, we actually, we had Hope Mullinex there, you know. I, this is what I figured was going to happen. Hope Mullinex would go there to represent us, and then they would just associate her with us and they would probably be like, Hope, are you, you know, are you coming back next year? But it, it, they probably did. But I, I have a, I, I seem to remember her saying she's not going this year either. So yeah. um, if there's anybody, if this comes out in time to do it, if there is anybody who wants to be a Star Wars panelist who's for Two True Freaks, it's a listener of our show that's going to Dragon Con, get us, get a hold of us. And I can't say that I guarantee that we could hook it up, but we'll definitely, I mean, that's sort of what we did with Hope last year is, I, is we wrote Brandy and said, hey, you know, Hope's going to be there. She does a show for us. Would you want her? And she, boom, she was in. So that reminds me, I'll have to, I'll have to talk to you about this off air, but I just, uh, I got a message from uh, one of our good friends on Facebook. I, I won't give you the name over the air because I'm not sure if he wants this public or not, but he's uh, going to go to... Uh, uh, New York Comic Con and wanted to know if we wanted to send him as you know the the eyes in the field reporter for Two True Freaks and I was like hell yeah we do so hell yeah maybe, well, maybe we should you know. at the very least like spot him a spot him a Two True Freaks T shirt or something that he can go sweat to death in all day at the uh, we'll make him a we'll make him a publicity pack to to <laughs> bring with him and. and um, uh, there's about, I would say at this point, it's, I think, I believe New York Comic Con is in October. I think there's about, I, I live in New York State. I'm a, I'm a quick, bu- oh yeah, you know, I forgot about that. I'm a, I'm a quick bus ride from <laughs> New York City. So, if I can, if it, it, it really depends on me being able to figure out how to get in there free by being a podcaster all you got to do all you have to do is is find out who you contact about about press pass and that's it you know because i could have got one for megacon i was just stupid and and got my dates mixed up and i missed out on the application period but i'm 99.9 percent positive that if i'd have remembered the thing right and done everything i was supposed to do during the time frame that i would have had a free uh Press pass for Megacon. I just. Well, I better get my procrastinating ass on it. There you go. Yeah, see, that's my problem, too. Yeah. I procrastinate. Now I can't see out of one eye. Because I could hop on a bus round trip for 50 bucks down to New York City, you know, and we've got. We've got. I've got a couple buddies down there. We've got some podcast buddies. We got tons of friends in New York City, dude. So, so I, I don't even need. If the thing about New York City is. I don't have to sleep if I'm in New York City, so if if I don't have a place to stay, I'll just go walk around. <laughs> and <laughs> you know that's what New York City's like. You just it's just everything is there in the world. So it's and the and I don't know. There's something about the vibe of being in a big, vital city that just like charge. You know, I, be it, I, not a country. Yeah, being a country bumpkin, it just you know you get in the big city. It's just like yeah. I'm, I'm into it. So, you know, but um, yeah, there's about a 50% chance I'd go to New York Comic Con, which means that wh- whoever this mystery person is, I w- it would be fun to meet up with them and 
and then we could both go and uh definitely then one of us could film the other one and and (laughs) while the other one holds a microphone and and have all kinds of fun cool and then there's piss pot the rabbit (laughs) oh god (laughs) (laughs) well i was uh i am i am uh a big name comics creator the other day on uh, on facebook because they were they posted some of their uh back in the day star wars artwork and uh, we struck up a little i am conversation over facebook and there's a very good possibility we might get him on the show at some time he was definitely like all oh, hell yeah about the idea of coming on with us so when we get to the era which shouldn't be too many more episodes when we get to the era where bob mcleod is the artist uh, look for uh, us possibly scoring Bob McCloud on at least one wow. episode to talk about his artwork. About that. Yeah, he, I, that's cool. I don't know if you remember the issues he did, but his art yeah. is freaking spectacular. Fantastic. Dude. Yeah. He, he does, he's the artist on one of my favorite issues of the whole series that issue where Leia meets the stormtrooper from Alderaan. That's oh, a great yeah. story, and the art was fantastic. So yeah, I, I was really looking forward to that. So yeah, he was he was totally down for the idea. He just said keep in contact with him. So excellent. Didn't he excited. do? Did he did he do X Men or did he do New Mutants for a while? He did New Mutants. He kicked off. Uh, he was uh, he was either the outright artist or maybe just the inker but i want to say he did the the art the whole art package on like the first maybe dozen issues of new mutants plus that graphic novel that kicked off new right mutants. right um he did some post-crisis superman he i'm not sure what oh now i'm kind of like completely blanking which is horrible because i mean he's a he's a very prolific and awesome artist i'm trying to think yeah. what else i would know him for, you know what else i could mention real quick that he did but I mean, he's he's been around, but his art is just—he's fantastic. I really like his stuff, especially like uh, like you said, the New Mutant stuff was just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I followed New Mutants. And when he left, I left because it was like, well, there's no more reason to read this because I like the story. Oh, that's when Sid Kevitt showed up. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, not much after that, he he did come along, which I liked a lot. Oh, lastly, before I forget, you know, folks, you can follow along with Two True Freaks. On just about anything that we cover on any of our myriad shows these days, but especially when it comes to Marvel, Star Wars, you know, this stuff is coming out. It's in- a myriad. <laughs> I didn't know we did a show on myriad. <laughs> just myriad Monthly Monday. <laughs> Miri. Miri. <laughs> Miri. Miri had a bad day, so she had to cry to <laughs> Captain Kirk. Miri had a little lamb, little lamb. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,. Sorry, that was uh, my fault. (laughs) These Marvel Star Wars comics are coming out in beautiful omnibuses from uh, from Dark Horse Comics. And uh, they're all over Amazon. So go to our website, twotruefreaks.libson.com. Follow the, the Amazon link to Amazon and order you some awesome Star Wars a long time ago omnibuses and follow along with us on this stuff because they're getting to the point yeah. where they've got just as much reprinted as we're covering currently as we're covering yeah, yeah. now are they omnibuses or are they omnibuy if there's See, any I've en- heard it english majors ways. i've heard it both ways too so if there's any english majors out there if you can clear that up for us because i never know what to say i like omnibuy personally i think that just sound- it's to my ear that sounds accurate it sounds 
better and it sounds yes. frankly more intelligent. But Michael Bailey kept giving me shit about it, saying, "No, dude, it's omnibuses." He's like, "No, trust me on this one." So I'm like, "All right, whatever." So I figured. So you I'm, gave in to peer, so peer I pressure. Gave in to peer pressure, thinking, "Well, I don't want to sound like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about." And then somebody else will end up emailing us, going, "No, dude, it's omnibuy." Then I'll be like, "Well, I'll make sure to say Michael I'll- Bailey anyway." Michael Bailey's omnibus. Of course, I say, I say that all the time anyway, so it's really nothing new. <laughs> I, will, I will make a special point to say omnibus next time I'm on a podcast with Michael Bailey. You know, octopus, octopi, omnibus. Right. Omnib- it just makes sense to me. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, though. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> so do we want to take a break or we want to dive straight into uh, the comics for this time round? I say we do the first comic... Then we take a break because we haven't been talking that long. Our our audiences they're 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 road scholars. They have a good attention span. I say we do the first the first issue and then we take right. a break and then do the other two issues because this issue sort of stands out on its yes, own. Yes, it does. Well, I I take that to mean that maybe you figured out which of the issues yes. uh, I was talking about. Oh, as soon as I them. saw the cover, I knew what was coming, and <laughs> I was just like, oh Jesus Christ, that's right. Just, just as a reminder, folks, or for those of you that uh, may have missed last episode for whatever insane reason I won't accept, you know, last time around, I, I labeled one of these issues as the worst issue of the series. And, uh, and Chris said, ooh, I'll be interested to know. You know, don't tell me. I'll be interested to figure out which one it is. So, so I take it, it you take long. Out. It didn't, didn't take long. <laughs> now, I, I saw and I knew which one you were talking about because we've had this discussion before. It was maybe on the forums with somebody. I can't remember. Maybe we had someone on the show, but I can't. We had a guest on, and well, I remember. Don't spoil anything, though. Don't spoil well, I just remember there was a dispute between you and the guest as to whether this was a good, uh, a, not a bad issue or, or just a fucking terrible issue with you on the fucking terrible side and me just vaguely remembering it and going, well, you know, I can't, I, for some reason I want to, I want to say Mike Poteet, but I don't know if Mike Poteet's a star Wars comic reader, but, uh, but it was somebody, it was some, uh, maybe I'm thinking of Mike Poteet because it was somebody on the forums or on our shows that we will have involved conversation with. Right with, with about something, so that's maybe why I'm thinking Mike Poteet because he is the you know, the the gold standard of gravitas in True True Freaks Man, discussions. Not- He'll probably be the one who can put the whole omnibus omnibuy thing to bed <laughs> once and for all. And if he says it, I'm gonna take it that's as right, yeah. as correct because he works in a bookstore too. God damn it! Well, he's Dag an author. He's a published author. Published author. But uh, and an award-winning published author. See, it, and now you got true, now true you kind of you you, you 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 tickled my brain with this thing. Now you got me Ew. thinking that 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 did happen at some point, and now I feel horrible that I didn't remember that or that person and, and invite. Well, it's them a conversation from a year or two ago. Yeah, that's true. So I, I you know, come on, conversations man. from earlier today. So yeah, that's. A good I was point. talking to people today. I was working retail today. And I was talking to people, and I and like thirty seconds would go by, and I'm like, "How much did I tell you that was?" <laughs> <laughs> Two cents. That's right. <laughs> you said it was free. <laughs> so anyway, all right, <clears throat> here we go, folks. Strap in. 
Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. This is Star Wars number 78, the December 1983 cover dated issue. I'm going to start specifying cover dated just, you know, so that folks don't think, you know, this was the actual like time it was on the stands because it would would not have been. It would have been on the stands much earlier than this. Original cover price on this one, 60 cents. Cover artist on this one is the uh, Iron Man artist extraordinaire Bob Layton. And I have to say, I love me some Bob Layton. I don't particularly dig this cover. It looks like a Klaus Jansen sketch to me. It does. It really sets does. the stage for the rest of the comic. It's too dark. There's too much negative space. Just too much use of black. Would it really seriously, folks? Th- I'm going to try to paint you a mental image of what this picture looks like. You've got one of the old school style bearded uh, GI Joe action figures dressed up like a rebel troop, you know, like a rebel uh, X-wing pilot, and he's shooting his Han Solo laser pistol, and there's all these creatures attacking him that you know are, I guess, are supposed to be wampas, but I don't, you know, despite the horns and the eyes and all that, I don't think they look particularly wampa-ish. He actually looks like he's fighting off the Wendigo from the Hulk comics or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I just don't like this cover at all. It's very awkward. And again, I really like Bob Layton. He is a great artist. And I love his Iron Man stuff. Just not real strong on this cover. It, it might be the inking in it. It might be, it was, it looks hurry. It literally it reminds me of like, when Klaus Jansen tried to take over for Frank Miller on Daredevil yeah. and sort of made sketchy versions of Frank Miller type art. And Frank Miller, maybe they were trying to do that because Frank Miller was doing that negative space stuff. But the like, the one Wampa coming out of the background where you can only see his eyes, mouth, and parts of his horn in his hand, that just looks stupid. It looks like it was just sort <laughs> of added on there. It's, right. it's just bad. The ones in the foreground, I, I have no problem with the way they're arranged. They're kind of neat, and and he he just looks like a, a, a hastily inked pencil sketch. This is going to yeah. sound really stupid and nitpicky, but you know what bugs me the very most about this cover? It's the fact that the Han Solo laser pistol and the, the, the straps on his uniform are exactly the same color, so it gives the illusion that he's got his gun, like, tied around his legs or yeah, something. Yeah, like it's it, power, like it's hooked onto a power pack that's running around his legs or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it's awkward. It's very Sloppy, awkward. sloppy, yeah. sloppy, Marvel. Sloppy, sloppy. I don't like that one at all. Uh, on the interiors here, we got uh, plot and script by David Michelini. Believe it or not, folks, this is a David Michelini. Well, at least uh, plot and script anyway. He actually shares plotting uh, credits on this one. 
Pencils by Luke McDonald. And I'm thinking this probably was a very young Luke McDonald. I'm, I'm not positive of that. I should have looked that up earlier today. But uh, I think this is early, early Luke McDonald. Um, Bob Layton, Plot and Inks. Joe Rosin, Letters. Glennis Ween, Colors. Louise Jones, Editor. And Jim Shooter is listed as at editor. I like that. You know, like at at, but at editor. I like that. That's that's. I, well, I like that they're finally like back into the Star Wars puns of right the editor in chief's name. Now there may be a natural tendency, ladies and gentlemen, to shout things like "What the hell!" during this synopsis. But I ask you to please hold all your comments until the conclusion. Okay. Thank you very much. What the hell? <laughs> And now, hot stuff. Yes, that's the name of the issue, hot stuff. The story opens to a sleek Starcraft, having traveled for hours from the secret rebel base on Arbra, coming upon a transport cruiser. Luke Skywalker excitedly reports that it's Wedge's ship. It's gotta be. But Princess Leia warns him not to get his hopes too high, and from the back seat, O.J. Simpson concurs. How the three of them manage to fit into this Y-Wing is only the first of many head-scratchers in this little tale, so I won't dwell on that too much for the time being. Anyway, the Rebels are out looking for the missing Wedge Antilles, who never reported in at the rendezvous point following the events in the last movie. The trio board the cruiser, and a particularly intense Luke Skywalker leads the way, but a quick sensor scan by uh, Princess Leia reveals that the ship is a derelict, no life on board. Luke is absolutely crushed, and the juice asks Leia, what's so special about Antilles anyway? So Leia tells the tale of how Luke and Wedge are lifelong chums having grown up together on the desert planet of Tatooine, and are closer than most brothers. Please, folks... Save your comments until the end of the synopsis. What the? Okay. Leia suddenly remembers to check the ship's log tapes, and in doing so, finds an audio message that snaps Luke out of his funk. It's Wedge! And he's got a story to tell. A sad, lonely story of how much life just totally, totally sucks when your friends run off and leave you on a barren snow planet and don't give enough of a shit to come looking for you for three years. When we last saw Wedge, he was preparing to depart Hoth following the Walker battle there in The Empire Strikes Back. He and Jansen actually managed to make it to their ship, but then they were shot down by a Walker before they could make it off the planet. Jansen was badly injured, but Wedge managed to drag him to relative safety. Inside the Walker, Luke brought down with his lightsaber and a thermal detonator back in the aforementioned Empire Strikes Back. Please, folks, save your comments until the end of the synopsis. Eventually, the Empire left Hoth and Wedge helped Jansen into the relative safety of Echo Base, where they found a few rations left behind uh, that they could live on for a while. But after checking the abandoned space radar array, Wedge found a little something else that was also left behind. A squad of TIE fighters in orbit, patrolling for stragglers. And so began the settling back into life on Hoth process for the two grounded rebels. A harsh life of wampa attacks, freezing cold, shitty rations, and being stuck watching your only companion slowly fading away. All because General Riken couldn't be bothered to spare a friggin' search party, apparently. One day, Wedge came home on his tauntaun to find his pal Jansen all dead and stuff. Murdered. 
Pissed off, he followed snowmobile tracks to the culprits, scavengers, there to salvage whatever they could find from the wreckage strewn about after the Battle of Hoth. Eventually, through stealth and distraction, Wedge is able to make his way onto one of the bandit ships, which just happens to look exactly the same as the kind of transport cruisers that the rebels were using in the Empire Strikes Back, by the way, and takes off in it, which just pisses off the uh, scavenger's leader. However, in orbit, the ties were still hanging around because, you know, they get like super awesome gas mileage, I guess. But Wedge, you know, months, by the way, months have gone by in this story, folks. Months in which these ties and those just... Ties, those ties are filled with food and a uh, big septic tank, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Wedge manages to sick them on the pursuing scavengers and escapes while the two sets of bad guys fight with each other. The victory proves hollow, though, because the ship was damaged in the chase, and once again, Wedge is faced with the cheery prospect of either freezing or starving to death. It's, quote-unquote, only a matter of time. And that's where the tape ends. Luke is beside himself, but then startled expressions from O.J. Simpson and Leia Organa catch his eye. What are they so worked up about? Turning around, Luke sees, through the window, space-suited Wedge floating in space outside the ship. Wedge is reeled inside, and there are happy hugs and smiles all around. Wedge seemingly bears no grudge against his asshole so-called friends who just left him to freeze his ass off for 36 months. Me? I'd be a little pissed off about that. So anyway, after some uh, technobabble bullshit about what he was doing messing around outside trying to fix the Frema what's-this or whatever, the story ends with Luke telling Wedge that they will forgive him this time. What the... Oh, wait. Yeah. Um, Wedge, your friends suck, buddy. <laughs> and that's... Wedge, are you starting to get the idea that maybe they don't really like you that You're much? Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> what do you got on Star Wars number 78? I loved it. <laughs> No, you know me. I'm usually the one who's like, yeah, this was kind of okay, but, you know, I en- I enjoyed it even for its cheesiness. I pretty much hated this through and through, yep. from the art to the story to the horrible dialogue to the just blatant, blatant disregard for any kind of continuity or common sense or what for you know yes luke is a shitty friend but look at him he's all concerned about his best friend who actually died over the death star and had a different name and all that (laughs) somehow maybe you know maybe this should be about a story about what happened to luke to make him fucking think that wedge is biggs all of a sudden is luke this should be an is luke losing his mind story instead of a survival of wedge I hate Wedge's homespun, like, you know, you're, you, you, you didn't, like, you know, he, he's listening to the tapes, but you didn't really, see, but he's doing, like, and then a gosh darn, you know. Yeah, he sounds uh, like a hick, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's written as just sort of like a homie hick, you know, uh, I guess a fellow hick farmer from tattooing sort of thing, and... That's just retarded. And another thing that's retarded <laughs> is you don't run out of tape in space. There's no tape in space. 
you can say the tape ran out, but it's a fucking hard drive. And if they don't have hard drives enough to record an MP3 of Wedge's whole story, uh, God damn it, you can fit an audio book on a, on a, on a, you know, on a little, little card nowadays, you know, right ahead of a pin. So you think in Star Wars where they're flying through space somehow that his tape would not run out. And and with Luke going, that's Wedge's ship. How the hell does he know it's Wedge's ship? It's the ship Wedge stole from the scavengers. Right. So it's the scavenger ship, you know. I made a big deal about that scavenger ship only because, you know, not only is it exactly the same style of ship as uh, the rebel cruisers that they were using in in Empire, but it also occurred to me, I I could be wrong, I have not gone back to look at, uh, you know, the Empire adaptation or the subsequent issues again, but I'm pretty sure that even in the adaptation, we never actually saw one of those cruisers. Even though we saw them in the movies, I think this may be the first appearance of a Rebel cruiser all these years later. And they got it so wrong that it's not even a Rebel cruiser. Right. Yeah, it I mean, doesn't Biggs make any sense. was in Marvel Star Wars <laughs> comics. He was in there. We <laughs> saw him die on the page. He was written into the story... It's not one of these things of, you know, it's the it, the the whole, like, whatever Star Wars nerd, you know, right doesn't fly with this one. You well, know, most this is people's just familiarity homework. with Biggs Darklighter and his whole story comes from Marvel Comics because that's where you got that, you know, yeah. lost part, you know, portion right. of the Star Wars story, that in the radio show. In the novel. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's true. But uh, yeah, the art is is sort of reminds me of like fourth rate Jack Kirby with a little GI Joe, you know, Larry Hama on the side, and it just and and with and that could be a good thing, but it's not a good thing. Everything is just just goofy, and <laughs> and it's it's a total spin. You know, I mean. The, the the scene where his friend dies and that like he's like cradling him, like Charlton Heston style, and like it's just one of the most horribly dr- like out of proportion. Tears running down his face. No, my friend who is actually just some guy that I was in a ship with who couldn't hasn't even been able to talk with me because he's been laying there gurgling. <laughs> yeah, it was just. And and Tonta, are Tauntauns native animal? Uh, of, you know, it's it's so odd that you say that because I actually had a note on that same thing where um, there was a thing. Here, let me see if I can find it real quick. There was because I made a note of this, but I you know once again, there's no friggin' page numbers in here. There was well, a, th- actually, a note that said something to the effect of months passed, and then there was something that says. Uh, Oh, it was where, where he went out. Here it is. I, I found it right here. Months passed. This is on the page that shows... For, on the one page, it shows Wedge fighting off the Wampas. And then on the next page, it shows him caring for Jansen. And then he goes out and he's shooting those those little ice creatures. It, it's, the, it's the panel of him sitting on, ta- on the back of his Tauntaun and shooting at that thing. And it says, months passed and supplies ran low. I supplemented our larder by hunting ice scrabblers. 
you know, those furry rodents who are eaten by tauntauns, who are eaten by wampus, who are eaten by no one because they're too mean. And I, I wrote down the same note. Tauntauns aren't native is what I wrote. And then I researched it today. Now, according to Wikipedia, they are native. But I'd swear to God that I don't know if it was the novelization or so, something somewhere I remember from when I was a kid said that they brought the Tauntauns to Hoth with them. I've always, that's always stuck in my mind. I was just going to say that. Yeah. But here's a weird thing is yesterday I stumbled across an image called Tauntaun Paradise by Ralph McQuarrie. And it was an, a huge ice cave. And in the middle of the ice cave, there was like grass and sunshine and like this big ice crystal in the middle and all these like Tauntauns grazing. Hmm. And I was like, that's weird. I wonder if that was just something Ralph McQuarrie did for fun or if it was production work for Empire stuff. But just like you said, I remember in the novelization or something, somebody talking about how Tauntauns were not native and not acclimatized. That's why it dropped dead, you know, in right. the cold. Otherwise, right. why, would a, why would a Tauntaun be dropping dead on its native planet, you know? Right. So, or or at least have a way of dealing with the that cold so yep just yet another bit of uh it, it was just it was almost as if that but it, that's the thing dave michelini wrote this this isn't just some like rant you know <clears throat> like the um john carler carter warlord of mars issue that was sort of uh retooled something and just a you know somebody right somebody off the shelf writing it or something you know it's so weird. It doesn't make it. It doesn't make sense that he wrote wrote this. You know, I, I I understand that this is like sort of like the John Carter one, where it's in a transit. They're in a transitional phase for Jedi coming up, so they're just doing a little standalone story that doesn't focus on the main characters. But uh, you know, you could see them trying to do something. You know, we'll do a survive, a gritty survival story. And right. That could have been good, but it would have. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I can't get past the whole like wedges not bigs thing. <laughs> I just, you know, that's just blatantly bad. Right. Bad writing. It is. And, it really is. I had a few. No, did, did you have anything else on this? No, that's that's about it. <laughs> I had I'm a sure. few notes on this one. <laughs> I really do think that uh, they give his name as Barlin Hightower is the is high. Uh, that's yeah. Yeah. Why? Why when the when the black guy shows up in Star Wars, they give him the name from fucking Police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the name of the big black guy, and it's just like, yes, we get it. Hightower is a is a a big black guy's name, and the, they get, at least they gave him a Star Wars first name. You know, your generic Star Wars sounding first name, but and and once and also. He's a pretty fucking useless character. There's he does nothing in this except so to say, "Hey, what's wrong with Luke?" You know. <laughs> yeah, he never never appeared before, never appears again. But he to me, he totally looks like OJ from like those. What were those shoes that he was hawking? Like like the Dingoes. Dingo boots. Yeah, that was it. That's what he looks like. Yes, from the Dingo <laughs> from the Dingo boots, or he it's and also it's in the art. It's the way the art is. He reminds me of, and I can't remember the the other 
um, astronaut in the Planet of the Apes, in the original Planet oh, of the uh, Apes Land. story. Land. Yeah, he looked he looks a lot like Landon. Not, the, uh, in, Dodge. Dodge was the Dodge. Yeah. He, he looks like Dodge in the adapt in the comic adaptation You're of right. of uh, Planet of the Apes. You're right. Not in the actual movie, but in the comic adaptation. Maybe I think it's because of the art style. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Well, for that matter, Wedge and Jansen later on when they're all bearded up and everything in that especially in that scene where like you say, where where Wedge is crying and, and grabbing Jansen's body after he finds him dead, they they do that does look a lot like the uh it was called Adventures on the Planet of the Apes. That was the uh the first like mm-hmm. Six issues, I think, were an adaptation of the original Planet of the Apes. And uh, none of the characters look like the actors that played them in the movie. Well, Not to say it wasn't a, a bad, uh, it, was a, it was a good adaptation. They just didn't, you know, they didn't look, they didn't have the likenesses, I guess. And, and this is sort of the opposite of, he's got the sort of opposite syndrome with Princess Leia, where he draws her sort of like boyish and like... Her like now her breasts are smaller than Carrie Fisher's. When, right. when Carmine Infantino <laughs> was dry, it was like Dolly Parton, and you know it was like, right. yeah. Once I get out in space, the pressure in my boobs goes all haywire and they get huge. <laughs> you know. Uh, my my biggest complaint for this, honestly, it, it, believe it or not, is not even the thing with with. I, I guess the blame would have to fall on Michelini, which is a shame because, you know, it's hard to believe that this is a, a Dave Michelini story because he's delivered some of the best mm-hmm. comics of this series, you know, some of the best stories. So it, I really hate that I'm down on him with this one. I really hope that maybe he came back for like an, I you can't like an win them all, you know, a filler somewhere down the road to kind of redeem him. I'd hate to think that this, you know, is, is the end of Michelini on Star Wars. I honestly can't remember. But uh, yeah, it's it's a stinker. But the the big thing I take away from this isn't even the fact that he confused Wedge and Biggs. The big thing that annoys me with this, uh, you know, and it could have been solved on page one with a little thing that said, you know, some sort of flashback thing. Three months after The Empire Strikes Back or, you know, months ago or something. There's nothing like that. So it gives you the impression that this is immediately following the last issue. So, I mean, they waited three years to go looking for Wedge? Or however, I mean, how much time is supposed to have passed here? You know, because I don't know, at this point, did they realize that Jedi was pretty much following right on the heels of Empire? Because I think in the actual official timeline, there's only like, what, like three months between the two movies? Right. But still, I mean... Any well, time at all. In, that, in those in the three years in comics time, did one goddamn person go, "Hey, where's Wedge?" <laughs> exactly. Isn't exactly. Wedge usually around here. He's right. not here. I haven't seen him since since Hoth. Oh fuck. Well, oh, you man. Know, Leia says that in one point here. Um, where the hell was it? She she says something to that effect. When well, they set it all up like the, everybody's written him off for dead, but Luke is obsessed he's been obsessed for three years but we haven't noticed it at all it's on the page where she's telling him you know he asks her he says you know what's so special about one warrior and she tells him the whole story and then she wraps up her little thing by saying and when wedge didn't show at the rendezvous after the battle on hoth luke was crushed most brothers aren't as close as they were well if my brother was missing i wouldn't wait three years to go looking for him 
Well, that's why I'm saying this should be a is Luke insane story. (laughs) Because it's like, okay, I'm sorry about this, but do you remember the new Twilight Zone episode? I think it was the new Twilight Zone where a woman had gotten like violently raped and she was in like a catatonic state for like years and or for a long time and they didn't think she was going to and she comes out of it and she's okay and the husband comes to take her home and they're going back to the house and they're driving in in the a parking garage and she sees a guy and she's like screams and the husband's like what's wrong and she's like that's the man that that Yes. He's like, are you sure? Yes. And the husband gets out of the car and beats the guy to death on the street and then gets back in the car and they drive away and they get about a block away and she goes, ah! And he's like, what? And she's like, that's the guy who raped me. And and he's just like, oh, shit, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I have seen that. Okay. Luke is exhibiting those, you know, the whole thing of like, that's Wedge's ship. And it's like, no, that's, a, you know, is it, are they coming up on every ship? And Wedge, Luke is going, it's Wedge's ship. I know it. And, you know, people are going, does Luke know who Wedge and Biggs are? Because he doesn't seem to know the difference. And he's calling every ship Wedge's ship, you know. Maybe it's time to take him down to Psych and, or, you know, maybe stick him in the back to tank to just, like, sleep it off for a couple weeks to, you know, maybe mellow out because he could. You know the whole, the whole saving the universe and then finding out your dad's an asshole type thing. <laughs> you know, it can it can maybe crack somebody. Well, not to but mention yeah. the fact that it shows the ship that Wedge would have made it off the planet in in the first place, and that was a Y wing. It was well, not a thi- cruiser. Yeah, you, you think Wedge is gonna fly off Hoth in a ship that's meant to like you're supposed to stack you know tons of troops and supplies in? That's what it is. It's a transport for a shitload of people you know and it's like oh i'll just take this one the rest of you guys yeah well you know pack it in you know so (laughs) yeah of course if he was a single pot it would it wouldn't be just wedge missing it would be wedge and like 500 other people you know (laughs) so and none of it makes any sense under the slightest amount of scrutiny no and you know me i've been the i've been the nice guy on all these star wars comics for the most part except for john carter warlord of mars and this one is just it's garbage it's it pains me to say it especially in in the middle of of all these diamonds, we got a piece of coal. You know, not since the the early days with like Carmine Infantino have we seen. I'm going to come up with my own syndrome. It's spacious cockpit syndrome. We haven't seen that so bad since those early days. SCS. But it seems like everything that they get into in this issue is freaking huge. It's like a TARDIS on the inside. Yes. Is that, is, the issue starts off with Luke, Leia, and OJ Simpson. In that Y-Wing. I'm pretty sure a Y-Wing's only a two-seater at most, isn't it? Yet they're all crammed in there together in there, and it looks like they've got room for even more people. And then later on in the issue, there's that scene where where Wedge drags Jansen, and they hide out inside that ADAT cockpit. Now, ignoring the fact for a moment that the friggin' head blew off that AT-AT. When right, we, it blew I mean, we up saw like that spectacularly. Happen. Yeah, and then it falls over on its side. You know, ignoring that for a minute, that the head was blown off of it. I mean, look how spacious that cockpit is in that thing. It's, I mean, it's like a giant command center or something. And we saw in the movie 
how cramped it is. Cramped. Yeah. You know, there's there's the room for the two, you know, for the pilot and the co-pilot, and then like General Veers was standing in the background, you know, and I mean that's it. That's all the people that can fit in that thing. But it looks like a hangar bay or something in this. It's like Jesus Christ, you know, did they not <laughs> watch the movie? Nobody you know? did their homework, yeah, on this one. Let's see what else? I know I got to cut. You know, there is there are a few redeeming qualities in this one because Really? Well, I'll tell you what. I, again, I wish the pages were numbered. But the, the, the two-page sequence that shows the very tail end of the Battle of Hoth and then when Wedge and Jansen gets shot down, I actually like those two pages a lot. I think the art looks very good for the most part. And uh, I just I like the battle sequences and all. The, 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 the shot of the, like the first shot of the big ad ad is a nice with the two snowtroopers running ahead of it yeah. is a nice picture. But then it's got Wolverine over it narrating. <laughs> yeah, it does look like Wolverine. I love how those snowtroopers look, though. They're not yeah. completely accurate, but they're pretty cool looking. They look like action figures, actually. Yeah, they do. They do. They. I think that was really cool. Um, and then there was the part, uh, which, oh, yeah. Again, no page numbers here. When they're huddling inside the, uh, the AT-AT, I don't know what I'm exactly looking at because it's colored a little funny so that Jansen and Wedge are all one color. They're like this this yellow, like this off-white color. But it looks for all the world like Wedge is laying on top of Jansen. Now, this is a critically injured man. Right. Why the hell is he laying on top of him? Because it's cold. <laughs> I guess. But... You know, They're afraid of g- 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 ghosts. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe they're g- 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 gay. <laughs> well, there is a little bit of that subtext in here, and I resisted talking about it, but since you brought it up, yeah, there's several moments in this one that I thought, is there, are they hinting at the fact that maybe they had a little something going on while they were? It's just macho camaraderie, you yeah. know. That yeah. stuff happens in the in the in the heat of battle, and it doesn't make you less of a man. <clears throat> I guess if you say so. Um, I, another thing I thought this is a minor, minor, minor redeeming quality, but I, I thought it was worth bringing up. The uh, the little machine, the little go-kart looking thing with the lasers on the front that wedge uh-huh. commandeers to cause the distraction so that he can go steal the cruiser that was a toy it was called an ml uh mlc3 it stood for mobile laser cannon remember that like at the very 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 tail end of kenner's marketing of empire strikes back era toys and action figures they came out with a bunch of like mini rig figure or you know like yeah. mini rig toys that were all bullshit. They made them all up. None of them were actually in the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, we were talking about one of them on the forum that just fit like a single stormtrooper in yeah, the back of it. Yeah, exactly. That was another one of these. It was this was the Kenner and MLC three mini rig is what it was called, and it looks the actual toy of it looked a little bit different because it had like this bubble cockpit thing that snapped down over the top of the action figure but for the most part this is a pretty accurate depiction of that i thought that was kind of interesting also i think it's interesting you know or or worth noting rather that the alien designs in this one are very original i mean these aren't the typical just like you know give them some weird eyes or weird horns type of star wars aliens we'd seen up till now some of these aliens are 
actually very unique and kind of cool looking. One of them looks like a three. One of them, uh, there's a t w the two of them that are just standing around, and they look like if you combine the two of them, you'd get a Doug. The one that's yeah, like sitting right. around smoking a butt while right, he's yeah. running in the back. He's doing the action figure run in the background with one arm behind him and one arm in front of him, one leg skewed back and one leg bent. That the one and that's to the left of the one, the green one that's smoking. And you're right, he, that green one does look like a Doug. That other one reminds me of one of the unmen from Swamp Thing. The unmen, or maybe one of the holographic chess pieces or yeah. something. Yeah. The, they all have a sort that that sort of the space helmets that they all have make them very unmen Bernie Wrightson sort of creatures in su in some ways. As a matter of fact, up at the top of that page, um, next to the you know at the opposite end of Cyborg guy is a guy that looks sort of like Man Thing. He's yeah, got a little Kilroy yeah, right. here crossed with Man Thing. <laughs> Yeah, but right. yeah, yeah, the aliens the aliens are very alien looking. Although they are pretty much sort of not not strictly bipedal, but you know, there's like the guy with no arms and three legs and a breath mask, but yeah, they're still bipedal, but they're weird insecty or insect lizardy or, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a ragtag crew of of scavengers. Yeah. On the next page, where, where Wedge is stealing their ship and flying away, the one that's to the immediate right of the blue leader guy looks like Ukla the Mock. Yes. <laughs> and on the next page, actually, where, where he's actually flying out in space, the, uh, the scavengers and their little, sca the little scavenger ships are pretty cool. Yeah. And they still look Star Wars-y. I like how they have the sort of angled engines in the front. They're either engines or they're gun turrets. I guess the engines are in the back, but they're, they still look like they sort of feed through the engines, but they could yeah. be gun turrets. But it's a neat, it's a very Star Warsy design. It's got the, you know, the gun in the front like a Y-wing coming out of the nose, and then I, I, I like it. It looks like something that would legitimately turn up in a, you know, a Star, War, a Star Wars design. Yeah. Yeah, but, I do like that. It is cool because it looks like almost like a jet engine intake or something in there. In yeah, the front. yeah, I do like that. But uh, I, yeah, that, uh, honestly, I'm sorry. Grasping at straws, though. Yeah, I was trying to think of anything else I could really say positive about this. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, possibly it might have been a better story had it had it been Biggs. You know, whom Michelini clearly mis you know mistook for Wedge, you know, confused with Wedge, but you know, Biggs was dead. You know, yeah. so I mean, I I don't really see how you could salvage this story much at all. There was uh, I was reading something about this on on Wikipedia where it said that basically it was it was in a story you just can't reconcile, and yeah. it was played up later on in some. Some other story somewhere, I, I think this was in one of the role-playing modules or something like that, that it was explained away that this was like a tall tale that Wedge would tell, like, his buddies. You know, like, sitting around, you know, drinking... Or it was, it was a dream that Luke had when he had ate some bad wampa for <laughs> dinner one day. <laughs> you know, one of those dreams where I had this dream, but Wedge was bigs, and, <laughs> and you didn't have any tits, and... Yeah, and O.J. Simpson, you were there too. 
<laughs> I uh, I think it'll be interesting when when we get to the end. You know, we're definitely going to have a lot of fun. You know, looking back, and you know, I want to I want to really talk about you know, do almost like top five type of things at the end. You know, what what were your favorites? What you know, which ones well, were the worst? And try and see you know if we where can this really has fallen. <laughs> come as a consensus as far as the worst issue because. So far, Woo! this is what I said about John Carter. So far, this is the worst. This has bumped John Carter, for yep. sure. Yeah, I think so, too. Because at least John Carter could have sort of happened. Right. Even. Right. That's a good point. That's Because I was thinking about, when you mentioned John Carter, I was, because I've been thinking about that for a couple of days, you know, in, in preparation for this episode, is like, all right, is this really the worst issue? You know, are, what other issues are up there as contenders? And I thought about the one about the banker planet, which is pretty bad. Oh, and right. And I thought about the one about uh, Cody Sunchild, which sucks. And there's a, there's a couple other ones that I'll be honest, I just didn't think were all that great. But the, when you mentioned the John Carter, I was like, yep, you, you know what, you're right. I think the John Carter one's worse. But you know what? You got a great point there that at least the John Carter one could be made to fit in continuity. You know, so I think that right there edges out all those other, you know, edges this one out as yeah. like the clear winner of suckiest one because it can't happen. It couldn't. I mean, you, you know me. I don't I, I don't let myself or I, I, I or I'm naturally not prone to falling into the nerd trap of going, wait, this continuity doesn't work. I hate I can't right. do this story. But this one right off the top of the bat immediately went so far as to trigger that with me go where where my brain said nope 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 this is not real this is somebody <laughs> fucked up really bad <laughs> read on but whatever you know right. you know and and that was right at the beginning it's like the entire premise is void from that point on and and dag nabbit i don't want to get over it <laughs> I, I i want to set some sort of bar for con you know there's got to be some kind of continuity bar I don't care if you play loosey goosey, but don't 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 take me don't take my kindness for weakness, Marvel. <laughs> well, I think I'm done with that one. <laughs> I, I am, t yeah, I am too. It uh, it actually has even more problems, but yeah, it's it's just not a good issue. Sorry to say, even even uh, Layton's inks couldn't save it. it it's just it's a bad story and uh you know i don't want to rip too much on luke mcdonald Hear that layton even your inks could not <laughs> save this episode you know i, I don't want to rip too much on on mcdonald because like i say i'm i'm fairly certain that this was early early luke mcdonald who got much better you know he, he was a fine artist later on so i don't want to bust on that too much but yeah i mean combined with with art that just you know was subpar for where we were with Star Wars at this point, and a story that just—I can forgive the subpar art for all the reasons you said. And hey, it's another different artist, but it's also just you know jarringly. The art is also jarringly out of sync with what we've been used to. You know, right? You know what this really feels like is it feels like a story that that got written, got drawn, and then it's been sitting in a drawer somewhere. And they got right. behind on schedule or something, and right. somebody said, "Well, you know, we got that crappy Hoth. We got that old story that there. that Bicolini wrote that he like forgot about. Let's go dig that one out." Right. That's very much what it feels like. 
because that was yeah, the, so, sort of like the that's... John Carter Warlord of Mars one yeah, was, the was... Sa- very same sort of thing. Exactly. I was going to say the same thing that so far, the for the most part, the ones that we have deemed to be clunker issues, that's been the exact you know story every time is that it was it was a subpar issue. That and it was in a point of, in somewhere, and it was a point in time in the comics where they were in a transition period and maybe had to buy themselves a month, right? You know, to 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 as we'll see in the in the coming two episodes to start squaring up the Marvel stories and Jedi, start squaring up the information and making them come together as smoothly as they possibly could. Because that was the that was the problem with that Banker World story. Because wasn't that published post empire i believe so yeah it it very much plays as a pre-empire story i mean for one thing i mean you know this if if it was post empire then this was past a point where where vader you know had really stepped up you know much more intensely as the the big villain he'd frozen leia's boyfriend and all you get none of that in that story he was luke's father yeah i mean they're almost like playing politely with each other you know she's like cordial to darth vader you know it's like no no it doesn't work at all you know so but yeah i think i've beat this one to death enough but it needs it it needs a good stiff beating this issue does because it's just it was, not a good th- this comic is sort of the 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 thing in this comic that represents this comic is jansen <laughs> just, just dead from the get-go and on a on a slow circle of the drain till the <laughs> till the scavengers come in and and finish him off put him out of his misery basically Poor guy. He yeah, deserved yeah. better, though. He took he oh, God. this guy to take down a walker. He deserved better. Well, you know, I mean, think think about this. When the, I can't remember the line that that he said, but Jansen, or, you know, I mean, they cra- and 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 Wedge was like, I crashed. I crashed. It was it, basically he said it was his fault. He crashed it, but and but I was fine. Uh, not so good for poor Jansen, though. And Jansen's just like fuck, and then Jansen can't move and is slowly internally bleeding to death. And then Wedge is like, "Hi, Jansen, can you move? Okay, I'm just gonna go to sleep on top of you to preserve the orb." <laughs> no, that's just my blaster. Oh, Jansen, <laughs> I wish you could talk. I'd tell you how I really felt about you. And All then, right, stop and then he it. would go off to get him some crappy raw. <laughs> food and then he would choke that down and then probably vomit it back up until he like one day just turned over and there were some scavengers there who beat the hell out of him until he died awesome what a shitty way to go well if it's any consolation according to wikipedia uh jansen did not die because he uh, appeared later on in all the ro- the uh, Rogue Squadron novels, so oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, uh, I feel much better knowing that. I, I, you know, I mean, like I say, he was the first guy to take down a Walker. I mean, come on, he deserves better than that than to, uh, than to uh, die yeah, a just, scummy death on freaking Hoth, starving to death, and all underneath busted wedge. up and wedged under wedge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what they call me, the Wedge Jansen. <laughs> all right all right now we're going downhill <laughs> well we got nowhere to go but up for the whole rest of this yeah, episode yeah, that's for sure <laughs> in more ways than one all right we're gonna take a break and we'll probably go and pee and stuff but you'll just listen to these ads 
and you'll enjoy them or else. <laughs> In October, return to the fight for freedom. In the name of adventure, I am Luke Skywalker. I have a really bad feeling about this. Return of the Jedi. I will not fight you. You must confront Vader. You are unwise to lower your defenses. <laughs> 20th Century Fox and George Lucas present The time for our attack has come The last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition well, How could they be jamming us if they don't know if we're coming? It's a trap! Your fleet is lost and your friends will not survive Don't move! I love you I know There is no escape <laughs> Return of the Jedi, with newly enhanced visual effects, DHX and digital sound, and a few new surprises. Live the magic. Experience the power. And feel the force. Like never before. I am a Jedi. Like my father before me, so be it, Jedi. In October, the last chapter of the Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. Return of the Jedi. At twotruefreaks.libson.com Hey kids, comics! Hey Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. Well, you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Uh, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast's about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. Talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics, and then we talk about them because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then we sing. Badly. Yes. Well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Eighties comics. Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Deacon and Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your host, Peregrine and D-Man, each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey. 
recently, I was overcome by the urge to read my Batman comics again while separately wanting to do another solo podcast. I decided that these were two great tastes that would taste great together, and thus was born Bailey's Batman Podcast. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a weekly program that looks at a month in the life of the Dark Knight Detective, starting with the books bearing a March 1983 cover date, which coincidentally is where my solid run of the characters' comics begins, and moving forward until... well, until at least the books that came out in 2005, because that's where the solid run ends. Each week, I will give you a full synopsis and review of every major ongoing Batman title, with brief stops along the way to look at the important specials, miniseries, one-shots, and Elseworlds stories, just to keep things interesting. I'll also be telling you what other books Batman appeared in that month, as well as what was going on elsewhere in the DC Universe. It is going to be all Batman, all the time, as I look at over 20 years of the character's history. The first appearance of Jason Todd. Death in the Family. Nightfall. No Man's Land. All of that and more will be covered on Bailey's Batman Podcast. Every Tuesday at Bailey's Batman Podcast.com. Hello and welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday number 34. If you're still with us after that craptacular issue number uh, 78, <laughs> thank you so much for sticking around. We can virtually guarantee that the remaining two issues are going to be 100% less suck than that one. So uh, with, with that <laughs> with that build up, here's yeah. Chris Honeywell to talk about number 79. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this this time we've got Star Wars seventy nine, as Scott just said. Uh, uh thank God, uh, Ron Friends, Tom Palmer, nice cover of Lando Calrissian with long white hair, clutching a wanted poster of Chewie and Han. But basically, you know, you just it's all crumpled up, and you just see Han in it. This was January of what nineteen eighty four. Eighty four, yeah. Sixty Centaroonies. 60 cents. God, I remember. I remember. Once again, we're back finally to our familiar crew. Joe Duffy doing the script and plot. Ron Friends doing the breakdowns and Tom Palmer inking or finishing. Joe Ryden letters. Glennis Wine Colors. Louise Jones editor. And Jim Shooter who's back to just plain old editor-in-chief for this one. And this one is called The Big Con, but it is not Dragon Con or Comic Con. It's an actual con. Con Noonien City. <clears throat> con! <laughs> so, Lando and Chewie go to the planet Icon 4, disguised as smugglers. Big surprise there. Big, big stretch. They find a group of fellow smugglers led by, uh, I guess they're a couple named uh, Limo and uh, Sanda who are looking for these two statues that are worth some... They're either worth some money to someone or they're two magical statues. So Lando shows up at the at the bar they're all drinking and calling himself Drebble once again and uh, 
He's got the aforementioned white hair wig and uh, eye patch. Because, of course, smugglers have eye patches. He basically tries to convince them that they should find Han Solo because he can find their statue. Because, like the last episode, he's obviously getting his characters mixed up and thinking Han Solo is actually Indiana Jones. So the smugglers are, they seem sort of into this whole idea of going and finding Han Solo and torturing him to find out where these two idols are hidden. So they take Drebel out to dinner and uh, he finds out from the smugglers that Jabba has Han and has taken him back to tattooing and, and the smugglers, I don't know if they've realized his ruse or what the deal is, but they turn on him. And, of course, a chase ensues through the streets of Arcan 4. And, you know, it goes from a foot race to a hover car race. And eventually, Chewie and Lando end up separated and in separate hover cars, which, of course, end up crashing together. They're surrounded by the smugglers who are about to finish them off. When Lando uses his ace in the hole, he's got one of the statues that they're looking for, and he tosses it out. And while they squabble over it, he and Chewie make their escape. And now, the actual end game of fighting Han Solo can begin. That's that in a nutshell. Not a lot of story in this one, but man, back into the quality Star Wars with a vengeance. Amen. Right from the opening page, the opening page, the portrait of Han Solo. The close-up of the black and white wanted poster is just an awesomely rendered picture of Han. So he's got the smirk on his face, and it is Harrison Ford, no doubt, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's just, it's just perfect. It's awesome. It looks like a like a black and white photograph printed on a piece of paper of Harrison Ford as Han Solo. It's awesome, and uh, and the uh, art style is. Uh, and even for the Ron Friends Tom Palmer collaboration that we've been seeing lately, this is above average. It's like highly detailed mm-hmm. and and nicely. It's just beautiful. It uh, I, I love the way he draws the barroom scenes in this, and uh, Chewie is looks great in it. There's a great shot where the door opens to the bar and Chewie's standing there and you rarely see Chewie in any kind of clothing. Right, yeah. He's just got this sort of like thing draped over him and the door opens and I don't know, it just looks like a scene out of a Star Wars movie. You know? You can just see the way he's standing. It looks like Peter Mayhew in the Chewbacca outfit. It's got the body language and everything. It's just awesome. I, I I love this I love this issue. There's not a lot going on in it, story wise, but it's just beautiful to look at. It's uh, and on that same page, Chewie goes and you know just sits down and has a beer while everybody whispers about him, and you know just a shot of Chewie taking a drink and the way he's sitting at the bar with his arm up on the, it's awesome. Yeah, I I I can't say enough good things about the the art in this you know the the uh, the the one thing that i pointed out the only thing that i thought was really weak about the story is you don't really get a good idea why these guys turn why these guys are all of a sudden like well i thought that was because they 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 pumped lando full of drinks they just kept filling his cup and filling his cup 
And then he makes a mistake. He he says something about where is it here? Oh, they they revealed to Lando. They said, uh, uh, "Sure, I thought everyone knew uh, that much." Solo was working for the rebellion, and some big imperial lord caught him and handed him over to the bounty hunter Boba Fett. And Fett eventually handed him over to Jabba and collected the bounty. And then Lando, who's supposed to be disguised as Drebel, says. Yeah, that's what Chewie and I had heard too, but we checked out Jabba's headquarters on Tatooine and Fett hadn't arrived there yet. And then he goes on to say uh, some other stuff, and that's where they realize. So I guess just that but one But I don't know part, why that gives it away. I mean, it is, kind of a, it is kind of a lame thing, but I'm also figuring everybody's drunk. And it's not that lame. He was just he backpedals a little bit and he's like, yeah, that's what Chewie and I thought, but he wasn't there yet. So, you know, right. what the hell? I don't know why. Well, I mean, that he just all revealed. Sudden... He just outed Chewie, though. He just outed because I'm I'm presuming that these guys would have known that that Han's partner was was Chewbacca, which you know this is one of those things that always. Yeah, but of... he's not that Chewbacca. Chewbacca Chewie's like the <laughs> John in 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 Wookiee language. Half those <laughs> half those Wookies are named Chewie, and the other half are named Mala. <laughs> Well, it was one of those things that always kind of bugged me, you know, when they were on all these stealth missions stuff. You know, whenever a Wookiee would, sh- you know, when Chewie would show up, you know, you would think that somebody would be a little suspicious of a Wookiee being there involved in the hunt for Han Solo to begin with anyway, just because well, his partner yeah, was we, a Wookiee, you know? Yeah, but his, yeah, but think about it. His partner was a Wookiee from a planet of probably like four billion Wookiees, you know? So it's like... It's like if you see, I mean, if you see a Wookiee out in space, unless Chewbacca is like the only Wookiee who dared leave, which he's not because you see him in the in the council in the in the prequels, but you don't know that by now. But, you know, I mean, why would you know, it's just like it, it would just be like someone going. Hey, look, he's with an Earthman. That must be Abraham Lincoln. You know? <laughs> I don't know. It just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, that's 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 a good as good of a reason as any. But it's it just did it didn't seem, you know, I, I it didn't it didn't seem, I didn't see it, it enough. You know, it wasn't if it was subtle being subtle, it was being too subtle. I mean, he does say me and my big mouth, but I was like reading it going, what did he say? You know, I didn't think about him saying. Chewy, but even so, it would have been better if he said, you know, you know, me and Chewy, blah blah blah, and have somebody say, "What did you say his name was?" You know, and then have everybody pulling their guns. That would have made that would have been communicated that a lot better. You know what I mean? But I do love that. Like once they're out, and Chewy just picks up the table and clobbers everybody with it. Well, you know, it could also be a matter of, you know, he he says. you know, Chewie and I heard that too, but we checked out Jabba's headquarters, and these guys being kind of like, "What? Why? Why that, would you do that? You know, why that would doesn't you, make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's no sense. Why? You know, unless it's Han, you're actually after because you're, you know, you're his pal, you know, Lando in disguise trying to rescue him. Why would you do that? Because you know, Drebel's whole scheme, you know, Lando as Drebel, his whole scheme here is, hey, why don't you guys go get Han Solo? He can do the job for you. So, you know, that right there would have, I, I guess, could have raised suspicions. It's like, wait a minute, why did you do that? You know, why why would you go to go, you know, 
Because he's, yeah. he's walking in here as if this is the first time he's hearing about this whole scheme. You're right, and he's say, and now he's saying, yes, I'm actu- actively after Han Solo rather than, hey, we should go get that guy Han Solo. Right. That we've actually been coincidentally going after, but we don't need any idol or whatever. Right. You know, but then again, then again, they could be just like, hey, you're just trying to get us involved in your, you know. Exactly. Your thing with Solo or whatever and tell him to fuck off instead of being like, no, we must kill you now. But that's a minor minor quibble in just a fun fun comic full of awesome art awesome written sound effects it's just you get chewy going at one point there is some really good chewy dialogue i want to come back there's some great chewy facial expressions this is the uh, this is full of great little detail like the scene where they're going to dinner and um Lando's wig starts flipping up and nobody notices it but him. It totally looks like a, a wig just subtly like flipping up at the top and Lando's like, oh, oh, shit. My, <laughs> my, my hairpiece, you know, and like, you know, trying to subtly tamp it down. That was a, that was a nice little comedy scene and very well done. My favorite sound effect in this is, as always, spam. Yeah, I saw that. I don't like Spam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I had that a whole page. That, that whole page is like most. It's it's that whole page reads spam, aye, vamp, vorp vorp vorp. Awesome, vorp 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 is a great Star Wars laser onomatopoeia sound. That you know, the, there's a there is a V and a P. Onomatopoeia. Didn't you, we just had a break? Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, Anamatapia. Anamatapia, wherever the hell I want. <laughs> vorp, Vorp, Vorp actually sounds a bit like Django Fett's. Laser Django Fett's, yeah, you're right. It's a Vorp, Vorp, Vorp. For you're sure. Right. And this, this, whole, this whole speeder or uh, hover car chase. Is kind of it kind of reminds me of episode two. Yep, the beginning of episode two. Chewie's leaping from, you know, they're flying through a busy city street, and it's funny because they go into the bad part of town, and all of a sudden it's like downtown Metropolis or something. It's alleys with bricks, but when they were going into the bar, it looked like they were in Blade Runner world, right? And then all of a sudden they're in just sort of, you know, a sort of like. New York City, you know, New Gotham. York City Metropolis, <laughs> Gotham, Coruscant combination. But I love it. Chewie's like leaping from hover car to hover car and chucking people out. He's kicking that one guy right in the crotch as he kicks him <laughs> off the speeder. It's great. The yeah. guy's going, help, <laughs> help, help. No, don't. <laughs> and guess what? He did. He did. He did. Uh, yes, and no, I'm not going to help you at all. <laughs> As a matter of fact, just the opposite. I'm going to drive my gigantic Wookiee foot into your testicles. <laughs> assuming that that's where your testicles are located, but I'm yeah, going to assume true. that they are. <laughs> I would not want to get kicked in the nuts by a Wookiee. I'm just, just going to throw that out there. It's funny, the girl that they throw the... Yeah, no, you don't want Wookie and nuts. Anything with Wookie and nuts is <laughs> bad combination. Bad combo. And and the the chick that they throw the idol to doesn't she look like Donnie? She's like the green version of yeah. Donnie. 
I love that page where Bluey, their ship blows up and Chewie's doing a wild take like his head even looks like it's mashed up a bit. They got the they got the stars around their head. But the, the, a lot of times that would be cheesy. It looks great in this, so it does look like Chewie like waking up and going, I, I, I. Except for the fact, though, that they were both hauling ass, full yeah, well, out flying, and they smash head on into one another, and all it does is throw them free of the of the blast, and they're perfectly okay. It's like, come on, everybody else that crashed is dead. And when they land, it actually says whammo. <laughs> whammo, yeah. Whammo! They landed on a frisbee. Yeah. Chewy, okay. Chewy could take it, you know. Lando, I get Lando being, I guess, you know, I guess you would say he's human human or humanoid or whatever. Yeah. Maybe Lando sort of lands on Chewy it could be. But uh yeah, that is a little ridiculous, but <laughs> for I mean, it, I mean they're obviously this whole story is framed as just like a a fun romp, you know. Right. Every everybody's making, uh, you know, everybody's sort of doing the the um, uh, comic equivalent of uh, overacting and right. You know, lots of lots of like wild facial expressions. Even Chewie, like the gugugugugugur, like Chewie's like scared, you know, but scared in a Three Stooges sort of way. <laughs> I've got some good notes on this one. Um... Right off the bat, I have to admit, uh, while I'm really glad to see uh, Friends and Palmer back doing the covers and everything, I'm not really crazy about this cover. This was never one of my favorites. It's not bad or anything. It's, it's not just, bad. It's like an average one. Yeah, yeah, not real crazy about it, but definitely like that opening splash of uh, of uh, Harrison Ford, you know, Han Solo. Although I would swear that this is a Han Solo much more from Return of the Jedi than than the era that we're actually supposed to be in right now, which is, you know, pre-Jedi. But that's a minor quibble. It's a really good piece of art. I had the same note about a Blade Runner world here, because it does. That that scene, like the big garbage truck and all that, totally looks like something out of yeah. like Blade Runner. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the third page in here, I love where Chewie, you know, he's wearing that... Uh, what do you call those things? It's uh, it's like a poncho. Poncho, almost. yeah, yeah. And he he walks up and he bangs on this door in this back alley, and this little thing pops open and says, "What's the password?" And Chewie says, "Grunk." And I'm taking it that Grunk means Walt sent me, <laughs> you know, like from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. I just love that. <laughs> or Gronk means let me the fuck in, or I rip your head off. <laughs> it could mean that because then the next panel is like. The guy's sheepishly going, uh, oh, sure, do come right in, please. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, actually, it probably means, <laughs> y'all better let me in or ain't going to be trouble. <laughs> um, or, it or pains me the to... password's lavender. <laughs> it pains me to point it out because I totally missed this as a kid. But uh, apparently... Lando is actually dressed as an anime character in this yes. issue. His disguise, he's actually Captain, what is it, Harlock? 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 Something like that. Oh, That's yes. As, yes, with yeah. the eye patch. Yes. Yeah. I never caught 100%. That. You're yeah. right. I like I thought he looked just, anime. I thought you were yeah. just making a comment on he looked kind of anime style, and I agreed with that, but you're right. It's um, I'll remember the name of the. It was with a big battle cruiser type, yeah, like a battleship in space. Yeah, anime. What was that? 
Yamatari or some shit. Battleship Yamatari or Yamatari, something. Takamoto. Yeah. <laughs> Kawasaki. But, uh, you know, except for the wig, I really like this outfit. It's that stupid wig that I really don't like. And, you know, it's funny with Lando. He looks great throughout this issue. But look at any page. And, again, these damn pages are not numbered. But you look at any page once the, the, the speeder chase begins. Any panel where, where Lando is making, like, a like a startled, like, a perfect one right here is after that, um, after the whore, because there's really not a better way to put it, I guess, hooker, whatever she hooker. is. Gives Lady them the faulty night. erections and steers them down the one ray street. Look she at gave the them last faulty erections. <laughs> Look at the last panel on that a page. Lady of the how about this? A, the 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 oldest space profession. Space profession. <laughs> well, look at the bottom of that page though, where Lando is like he's he's taking off his disguise. He pulls his eye patch off. Then he pulls his wig off and lets it go. And then he looks up and he's saying the word C and then he's gulping. That's Richard Pryor. Oh, you're right. It sure is. And again, it's like a couple of pages later. Where the hell is it? I know there's at least one more time where he's making a very similar. Yep, there's another one. Maybe he used Richard Pryor as a reference to (laughs) On that page before Lando and Chewie run into each other with their speeders. That fourth panel on the page before they run into each other, again, with the Richard Pryor face, totally looks like Richard Pryor. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I don't think Billy D. Williams ever made a face like that in <laughs> Empire, so there's no true. way to really reference it, you know? That's true. Um, and Richard Pryor was a pretty big deal at this point in time, too, so the, it may have been, it may have been that's an true. homage... I like their ship in this one because they are not using the Millennium Falcon. It actually uh-huh. looks a lot like one of those Imperial shuttles, like the shuttle Tiderium, but without the giant fin on the top portion. So it almost looks like that where they just like took that top fin off and they're using that. Because there's that panel where they go back to their ship after you right. know, he comes in and makes the whole deal and then walks out to leave them to think about it they go back to their ship and they're using that and it's it's actually pretty cool looking i don't know that they ever give it a name in this issue but i thought that was pretty cool yeah and for once you know they actually go hey maybe it was you know maybe this not using the falcon is a good thing right <laughs> when you're going stealth yeah exactly but you know i mean back to the richard pryor thing i this this is such a you know now that i'm go- looking at it again it is. It's just a comedy. It is, yeah. Comedy issue, and it's got a lot of. It's really heavy on the sound effects, and as it goes on, they get goofier and goofier and goofier. I mean, like when when Lando and Chewie bump into each other at one point, there's actually a sound effect that says "bump." <laughs> well, you've got you've got Richard Pryor as Lando Calrissian, and you've got. Uh... Um, what's his name there from Willy Wonka as Chewbacca? The hell is his name? Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder as Chewbacca. Gene Wilder. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you got Silver Streak or Stir Crazy yeah, or whatever, go, the exactly. one where they were blind. Yeah. But it's funny. Okay, so on the on the opposite page of where they, they have their ship in the top corner, I can't help but look at this page and see it as some alternate universe where where Lando Calrissian is named Barak 
because doesn't it look like it says Burak? And he's and it, there's a picture of him, but of course it's Chewie like belching or or you know. Where's the what page is this? It's it's oh yeah next, okay yeah I see yeah you're right. It's just like <laughs> introducing Burak. Burak. Really, you'd be surprised how gullible people can be. You tell him Burak. Maybe that's how you say Lando in in Wookiee language. I had the same exact note about the speeder chase that this reminded me an awful lot of the speeder chase from episode two. Um, oh, going back to that whole, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. Going back to that whole thing about when Lando outed himself to the, the fellow smugglers or whatever the hell these guys are supposed to be. And he says, and this is the actual dialogue. It says, but we checked out Jabba's headquarters on tattooing and blah, 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 blah. When the hell did they do that? That I want to see that story. We never got that. I've been waiting three years for this story. Oh, I, I just figured that was a lie. Oh, I figured that was him backpedaling and trying to make up something to say why they would know that or why, you know, because they're saying, well, Jabba's got him. Why didn't you just go to Jabba? And he was like, oh, we did go to Jabba, but he wasn't there yet. So, I, you know. All right, I'll buy that. That that you know that works and everything because of course, like I say, we never saw that happen. So maybe that you know that's a good explanation. Maybe he is. That's just what saying. I just thought it However, was. However, yes. you know, as we've pointed out a bunch of times by now, is that not the logical first step? That that exactly. is what they should have done from the very. That is the impression I was left with, and I think everybody else was left with, when you walked out of the theater from The Empire Strikes Back. That that's where they were going. So. You know, as much again, as much as I really love this, oh, era, didn't they really actually say the words of like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see you on tattooing? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you know, again, as much as I love this era and I love just about every story we've gotten in between, you know, ultimately, it's like May- there's a lot of these adventures where I just get a sense of of like, why are you fucking around on Planet X when you should be on tattooing? Well, maybe, maybe this, maybe I'm changing my mind about this. Maybe that line was their way of trying to, 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 so, to say, okay, why didn't they go to tattooing? And it's like, oh, they did. They went and checked, but Han wasn't there, you know? And, and we maybe should, it was, we should have get Yeah. But, but maybe they, maybe they didn't think. Maybe the writers didn't think about that till just now, and they or they thought about it for this story to be like, "Hey, maybe we can get a toss away line in there to explain why they haven't gone to tattooing yet, and we'll say, "Oh yeah, they already did go to tattooing, but it must have been before you know before Boba Fett got there you know i have a i have a but that doesn't work that doesn't work either because it's like you don't just go there and if he's not there at that second it's like <laughs> right well you know it's like maybe java wanted to stop off and see the old lady before he went and dropped off his cargo or something <laughs> you know or had some sort of misadventure that we'll see in the joe johnson um boba fett movie that he wants to make or something but even it, it if they went there and they're like, "Oh shit, Boba Fett isn't here yet," you'd think they'd like, you'd think they'd take Wedge and just and and maybe uh, <laughs> strand him on tattooing, waiting for Han Solo to show up. Why not? He goes, he goes from one extreme to the other. Exactly. And they, and, 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 they, and uh, they're just fucking with his head. They're just like, 
That's why at the end of the last one, Luke was like, well, don't do it again, Wedge. We'll we'll forgive you for this, but don't do it again. And he's just like, oh, shit. Then he feels guilty for them stranding him on Hoth, and that's how they're able to talk him into no, no, sit, sitting on tattooing. Him for, into it. There's not even any... What it is is they... They just him, leave him there. No, they get him back to the rendezvous point and everything, and all he can talk about is how cold it was for the, like, you know, 36 months that he was on, and they're all just sick of it. They're like... Yeah, it's Jesus. All right, so then they just send him to Tetsu, and they're like, all right, you want to warm up, asshole? Warm up now. And they go, and they strand him on tattooing. They send Jansen with him, too. They, like, revive <laughs> Jansen. They send him with it, and then they're, like, at night, like, wedges back up on top of Jansen. He's like, what the hell, man? It's 150 degrees here, and you still want to snuggle? They went to recover his corpse, and he's like, I'm not dead. <laughs> it's okay dude don't worry you're going in the back to take we'll make you better thank you <laughs> and then like three months later they pull him out of the back to, and they like we got a secret mission for you buddy and they put him in the back of the the, the y-wing that has just enough fuel to make it to tattooing and that's about it and he's like in there and he's like okay i could deal with a solo mission and then all of a sudden wedge just hops in Hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> Back in the saddle, I see. <laughs> He's still not fully recovered enough yeah. to get out of the cockpit. Uh, I, I, you know, I didn't think you were going to live. That's why all that, you know, you haven't told anybody about those uh, Hoth nights, have you, man? Because, you know, that was there. That was Hoth. Okay, dude. Yeah. Okay, why are we going back to that shit? That's my fault. My fault. <laughs> Oh, uh, what else do we got? Let it go. Let that let issue seventy nine go. I, I have a conspiracy theory actually to to cover some of that. You know, going along with what you were saying that maybe this was the writer's attempt to to address something that maybe they felt like had waited too long not to be addressed about, you know, why the hell didn't they just go straight to tattooing to the obvious place? Yeah. I've noticed something and I don't know if you've noticed this too, but I've noticed something over the course of the last few issues. It persists in this issue. And I noticed it was in the next issue as well. There are no letters. There's no letters right. pages. And we haven't had letters pages in these issues for quite a while. The conspiracy theorist in me says people were bitching. And I'm wondering if that might actually be true, that people were complaining about, you know, where well, even, were going even or, if they were, they could weren't s- happening, you know, even even if the Yeah. But even back in the days of the John Carler Warlord of Mars, they were still able to find enough letters that said that John Carter Warlord of Mars story was the best Star Wars story ever. Cody's son child make, made me cry with joy. Right. Uh, bring him back and make him a regular character and right. kill R2-D2 off because I want Cody's son child to be the you know, I hope they put him in the next movie. You know, they, they always seem to find enough if they want it, you know, when, because you could tell there were some times after a couple bad episodes where they might have stocked it with some good letters to cover up for the people. Right. What the hell are you doing? But, uh, well, you know, Stan yeah. Lee was known to make up letters, and, and when I read letters that praise shit like the John Carter story, I can't help but wonder if those are real or fake letters. Well, they always have a sort of jaunty feel to them, don't they? Right. Don't they? Like, you know, hey, fellow Star Warriors. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, I cannot believe that you didn't mention the cameo appearance and, and the very last panel in this book. George Lucas shows up in this. 
Well, I thought I we would cover that um, separately from the story, but oh, yes, okay. I did. I did notice it, but <laughs> I was gonna just I was gonna wait till either you brought it up or or we got past the uh, story. But yes, George Lucas does show up, and I think I think this little cartoon here, this little comical cartoon of how to make your own Darth Vader suit, I think it is a not so subtle little passive aggressive um jab at george lucas a little bit and maybe how he was sort of like because you know he tells the guy 50 push-ups <laughs> at the end right. of it it's just like you know hold it you know you can't build your own star wars darth vader you know you know you 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 know this is my you, you're ruining my concept so give me 50 push-ups and it's funny but i have a feeling it, it also is like them trying to be funny with their frustration. I think it's also a little bit of a, like an editorial cartoon. It could be. It could their... very well be. <laughs> yeah, it's drawn totally in the like. It looks like something like you would see in uh, the Foom magazine. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's got a assist. This was Assistant Editors Month, whereas most of the regular Marvel titles had some sort of a banner or like a funny cover or something. And it had a stamp on the front that said, beware it's assistant editors month, but star Wars didn't do that. However, it did have this, uh, this five panel strip in the very last page where, uh, editor, what's his name? Elliot Brown was, you know, telling how to make your own, you know, at home Darth Vader outfit. And George Lucas comes in and busts him at the end of it. I got a kick out of it. That it was interesting. But that's all I got on uh, on seventy nine. I like the issue because it is it's a lighthearted romp, you know, and it was just fun. Oh, you know what we forgot to do? I wanted to flip back through this issue because for the uh -huh. first time in a very long, long, long time, Chewie gets a lot of dialogue in this one, and oh, there's some good tons. stuff. Yeah, Let's like see. I said, it's all the sound effects, and and chewiness it's all just very well he says frauf <laughs> roof roof <laughs> grump grump yeah i like that one but they're they're great That's a scooby doo effects. line yeah Grr? but grump is actually sounds like somebody's bumped into chewy's chest and there's a little air escaping <laughs> so they were i mean they were just having a riot and this art harkens back to some like you know what it reminds me of was it the cover of number two or number three with Ben Kenobi and the 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 artwork when they go into the bar and the way back in the original six That's issues when they the go to the cantina second three issue. second issue second issue and uh, it reminds me it reminds me of that art <clears throat> I I thought when you were going to talk about cameos the head smuggler. I thought he was Crimson Jack. I did for too. A I did too, and I, I was I, like Crimson Jack. I he's still write, alive. Yeah, I started to write that down as a note, and then I remembered. No, wait a minute. Han pretty much blew a hole straight pretty through Crimson pretty Jack. Much, yeah, pretty much aired <laughs> Crimson, Crimson Jack out, even in the vacuum of space. Yeah. Although they were in air, and but they were in a bubble in their vacuum. No, there's one of the smuggler guys, and he shows up in the beginning, and you see him in the background is almost a dead ringer for Grievous. He's basically like an elongated skull face in a cowl, you know. Yeah. He could po possibly be Grievous, you know, hidden under that cowl and hood. 
Except there's one part where he's smiling, like, and he looks like kind of smiley face, like. <laughs> but uh, I, I saw him. I'm like, oh, it's like an early proto, Grievous. Yeah, Although I, technically it could be, you know, some other prototype of Grievous uh, or the robot or whatever bio, robot biological hybrid. It could be one half of that sort of species or something. But of course it's not because this came out in 1984. So, <laughs> but uh, some good looking aliens in this issue, though. I like the guy that looks like he's wearing a, a boombox for a head on the panel where uh, where Lando walks in. His ca- he says his name's Captain Drebble. Then you got the two guys. One of them's, or they're both going. You know, their thought balloons are all going Captain Drebble. And the yep. guy on the left looks like he's wearing like a like a boombox for a helmet. And then the one guy that we're standing, we're looking at with like the white tuft of hair right there. He actually looks like Efontmon, doesn't he? Yes, uh, it's hard to tell whether that's a snout or some sort of breathing device he's got on, but it's pretty cool. And then down below you got tiny-headed astronaut man. <laughs> then you got then you've got fucking Jawa on steroids in the background. Yeah. And then you've got the like Larry Daryl and Daryl aliens. You got your standard yellow gray, a green what what alien species is that from DC? Is it in DC that alien with the green head with the little purple suit? He's sort of like Mitzelplik. He'll he'll float in the air. Oh no, that's from Marvel. That's uh, the Marvel? Impossible Man. The Impossible Man. He looks yeah. kind of like the Impossible Man. And then you've got a then you've got your prototypical space pirate next to him with his beard and his headgear. You know, just looking sort of <laughs> like a fish pirate. Yeah, I, I, I like these aliens. They're not quite as goofy as the last aliens, but they are, you know. I love everything about it. Everything about it says Star Wars. Yep. Although the picture of, of on the opposite page of the one we were just talking about where where um Lando's Drebble is talking to Crimson Jack there, and that actually looks like Space Prince. <laughs> You're right. He's, he's in his purple suit like <laughs> Prince, you know, and he's just sort of <laughs> Well, that's Michael Jackson, but he's got a little rain, yeah. he's got a little purple rain era Prince work in there, you know, the way he's standing. <laughs> so, Prince well, and Richard Pryor were pretty hot properties in 1984. So this is true. Well, are we ready for the last issue? Yes, sir. All right, folks, this is it—the last pre-Return of the Jedi issue of Marvel Star Wars. This is Star Wars. Number 80, the uh, February 1984 cover dated issue. Original cover price, once again, 60 Uh, pennies. Man, believable. Cover on this one is by Ron Friends and Tom Palmer. And uh, I really like this cover, although this is another one of those. I think I know what you're going to say. I think think it's the same thing. I'm going to wait to hear you say it. Oh, okay. This is one of those covers that drives me a little bit crazy because every time I look at this cover, on a quick glance, mm-hmm. it looks like Vader has a point on the top of his helmet it that makes like it look like he's got a Nazi helmet. A Nazi helmet, yes, yes. exactly. That's exactly does. what I'm thinking. Yep. The rest of the art looks like it could be Frank Miller. You're right. It's got that very Frank Miller look to it, those chains in the background that are holding up the bed and stuff. and. Mm-hmm. And uh, the robot with her luscious, luscious, luscious butt buttocks. Yeah, right in the middle. 
it's very very Frank Millery well, in the way you say that because um, over on uh, on Tales of the JSA, you know, Michael and I at the end of each show, we uh, take a brief look at the other DC comics that were out in a particular month that we're looking at, whatever issue we're covering. And we just recently were looking at covers, and there was one, it was a Wonder Woman cover where a skeleton of Wonder Woman is chained to a wall, and that's a Frank Miller cover. And mentioning the chain on this cover and saying it looks like Miller, you're right, it does, it reminds me a lot of that It's the Wonder way he Woman. drew chains, yeah. yeah. exactly, yeah. It's very stylized, yeah. yeah, it's very blocky and stylized. And and the way that it's crosshatched and stuff, it's just black and white and crosshatching, and the way that the the stones that that sort of form the arch in the background are very Frank Millery, mm-hmm. and I think it has a lot to do with the inking. I think it has a lot to do with uh, Monsieur Palmer. Yeah, you're right. Inking. I like this cover though. I've always liked this. Yes, this is, this is another one of those ones where I saw it on the stands and thought, "Ooh, what's going on here?" Because you think you've it's got- Luke. Yeah, I, I didn't know who it was, but you've got this guy who looks, you know, looks like he's dead. And this blonde-haired guy with like a little bit of like stubble on his face, and this, like you say, uh, robot with a very nice butt, <laughs> apple bottom, is is holding on to the the guy, the corpse or whatever he's supposed to be, while Darth Vader, who I guess it's supposed to be a hologram, as we'll find out in the story, but it, it doesn't look particularly like a hologram it looks more like the real darth vader like emanating the force or something and he's you know holding his fist doing very much the i will curse you you know kind of thing yeah but uh it's, it's a nice cover yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but i like that cover yes i do too um, we got all the usual sp- suspects back again as the creative team you know from joe duffy right on through to uh jim shooter all right so this story is entitled ellie and our story opens to an awesome, awesome. It's, it's Darth Vader's niece. <laughs> Ellie Vader? Yep. <laughs> our story opens to an awesome splash page of Luke. He has another niece named Taxi. <laughs> of Luke Skywalker blasting. She's in a penal him. colony. Stop it! And loving it. <laughs> See, I was actually disappointed <laughs> sorry, Anakin and, and, and Padme got married because I really wanted Anakin to marry somebody called Ellie. You know, I really did uh-huh. so that we could finally you know, play that joke out, you know, 30 years later. But anyway, well, now we got our chance. <laughs> so once again, our story opens to an awesome and I'm serious. This is an awesome splash page of Luke Skywalker blaster in hand. And he's waiting stealthily around this corner while a squad of stormtroopers marches by him and his companion droid c-3po pipes up and almost blows their whole scheme but quick acting by princess leia to cover the golden robot's mouth saves the day so crisis averted the trio continues sneaking about this uh, imperial base that they've come to under false pretense of being cargo traders who've brought needed supplies to the base and all that sort of thing but in reality they are still searching for the missing rebel agent Tay Vanis, who is carrying tapes given to him by the Bothan spy. See, I told you that this Tay Vanis thing had something to do with the Bothan spies. Now, I was wrong that he was actually one of them, but I knew that this thing tied in with the Bothan spies somehow. So every once in a while, you know, a couple a couple of neurons will fire and, you know, brain cells will rub together and I'll actually remember some things. 
So anyway, he was uh, given the Bothan, you know, the tapes from the Bothan spies regarding a new Imperial super weapon. Guess what that is. All right, so Luke gets a bright idea to hunt up the cargo manifest officer to try to gain a new lead as to Vanus's whereabouts or last known destination or whatever. Where Where is this guy? And all three of our star warriors are shocked to discover that the officer is actually a droid, a quote unquote female droid at that. A fembot. Fembot, yeah, pretty much. The droid named LE914 or LE for short, is only too happy to comply, but inputting Vanus's name into the computer turns out to be a pretty bad and stupid move as it brings stormtroopers on the run. Now, what follows is some of the best lightsaber battle scenes involving Luke that we've seen in quite some time. And uh, some of the most violent as he hacks yeah. off limbs and heads with seeming reckless abandon. I really love that stuff. That too. And uh, as we come to know, that's very accurate Jedi fighting for what we see in the prequels. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it, it's funny, you know, I, I thought of something after reading this issue that I wonder if seeing this in this issue might have added a, a little bit to my disappointment that Luke seems to have like a pussy lightsaber in Return of the Jedi because we don't see that sort of thing. We see like a, when he's fighting on Jabba's sail barge, for example, he's hacking all over the place, but you don't see like arms and legs and stuff go flying. I mean, you never see like a really like grievous wound at all. And that always kind of bugged me a little. No, you just see a little sparking, actually. Oh, <laughs> Spark yeah. action. So anyway, uh, during this battle, Ellie uh, saves uh, C-3PO's life by taking a turbo blast bolt meant for, or turbo bolt rather meant for not a turbo bolt blaster bolt rather that was meant for him, and she emerges unharmed. She is blaster proofed. Luke fights through uh, the squad of stormtroopers, and our heroes manage to make it all the way to the Millennium Falcon, where Ellie gives them the coordinates she says the computer gave her for Vanus's uh, location before it sounded the alarm, which I thought that was pretty nice of the computer to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a security glitch there. <laughs> yeah. So they are off to a castle that was once the seat of power for the planet, but now is in another Imperial stronghold. 3PO carelessly spills Luke and Leia's identities to Ellie, and you, you know, you'd think they'd be a little less trusting about that sort of thing after the last droid that they told betrayed them straight to the Empire. And you know what? Luke even mentions that himself a little bit later in this very same issue. So I thought that was kind of odd. Anyway, on the way to the castle, Leia spots wreckage, and stopping to investigate, the group finds the remains of Vanus's ship and a message from the man himself telling of his mission the tapes, his being pursued by Darth Vader, and how if no word of him uh, is given in two planetary days, he's instructed his droid, LE-914, to destroy the Bothan tapes. Now fully realizing who and what LE is, the heroes are stunned to also find that the girl droid is gone, split from the ship while they were watching the recording. So wondering just what the heck is going on, Luke, Leia, and 3PO... Uh, set out after her to get some answers and inside the base all is revealed after Luke rambos his way in and forces an Imperial officer to let him into the detention area where they find Darth Vader waiting for them but it's just a hologram but it's an awesome hologram 
And it pulls another one of those little na 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 boo boo, I outsmarted you type of things. And this one's not near as awesome or makes as any sense really compared to the one that we saw previously. Um, you know, because Vader pulled this same thing again back in the uh, Shira Bree storyline when Luke, you know, you remember Luke returned to Shira Bree's planet and had that awesome cliffhanger, you know, Luke Skywalker, I have come for you. This time, I'm actually going to read you Vader's dialogue, see if you guys can make heads or tails of this, because it really doesn't seem to make much yeah. sense to me. But this is what Vader says. He says, by the power of the Force, I have foreseen that you will come, following the trail of your uh, fellow rebel, the great Tavanis. Only you have the skill, the determination, and the uh, training to enable you to follow a path so cold and twisted and dangerous and pointless. As you have guessed by now, I captured Vanus some time ago. I chose to conceal this from all but my troops in this very installation. It suited my purposes to do so. By hiding the truth, I made certain that none of your rebel spies could uh, ever learn it. You were kept very busy, looking for a man I already possessed, and certain ambitious members of the Empire were kept equally busy and harmless at the same futile task. Now I bid you farewell, but so that your long weeks of searching will not have been in vain, I leave you as a gift the contents of this room. Accept them with my compliments, young Skywalker. And that's it. It doesn't explain shit. I still don't know why, why did he do this. I don't he's know. just taunting him. He's he just is. he's just he's trying to trying to sap them of their their will, you know. He's saying, Well, you guys just wasted all this time and effort and look what you get, a uh, empty shell of a man. I guess that must be yeah, I guess that makes sense because Vader doesn't know the little twist that Ellie's gonna pull here in a minute. Kiss he's basically saying, Kiss my shiny plastic ass is what he's saying. <laughs> So in the they're led into this darkened cell, and in the cell, Luke and Leia are deeply disturbed to find the hero, Tay Vanis, a broken, vacant-eyed, hollow shell of a man. One-chewed. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. And at that moment, Ellie reappears and warns the group that the Imperial troops are approaching, and uh, Ellie seems genuinely upset at the fate of her master, and she opens a panel on her torso, revealing the Bothan tapes. She tells 3PO that she couldn't bring herself to destroy something so important that Vanus had, for all intents and purposes, given his life to secure for the Alliance. With that, she has to be left alone with Vanus, and the last shot of Ellie is of her sitting on the floor, cradling the lobotomized Vanus. In a great four-panel sequence, we see Luke, Leia, and 3PO watching the scene from outside the cell when suddenly a blinding flash goes off and the heroes all hang their heads. Consoling Leia... Luke says, let's find the uh, castle's power station before we go. And then shortly, we see the installation blown sky high as a sort of monument to the sacrifices of Tay Vanis and LE914. And the issue wraps with Luke reporting into, wait for it, Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. First mention in this series for Admiral Akbar Doesn't appear, but he is mentioned for the first time. And he's reporting in on their status. And the final panel of the book is of C-3PO watching passing white people throw trash out of their car window onto the ground. It reminds me of the story I'm one day going to write called I Made C-3PO Cry. <laughs> well, it's not really, he's not really crying. What it is, is it's a little bit of artistic license. They're in the rain walking back to the Millennium Falcon. 
and the shot is of rain, you know, hitting three PO. You know, it's like running down the front of his face, but it looks like tears. You will believe a droid can cry. It's my one quibble with this issue. I actually really enjoy this one. I think it's a very, very it's, good story. But there is an undercurrent of C three PO falling in is, love with yeah, the female it, robot. Yeah, it's a that's a little bit of a stretch, but. I'll forgive it for an otherwise pretty good issue. I really like this one a lot. Plus, you know, the art is weak, but I love the last page in here is a full-page splash ad that says, To learn the rest of the story, read Marvel Super Special number 27 or Return of the Jedi issues 1 through 4. Then be here with us next month for Star Wars number 81. (laughs) One of the worst titles of the series, Jawas of Doom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> way to come back from it just that's just what you want to see after seeing the whole trilogy wind up and like you know and uh, you know the as as we grew up watching our fight what we thought was our final star wars story and then jawas of doom <laughs> it may Next, be a, it, jawas of doom <laughs> it may be a weak um a weak title, but it, uh, to my recollection, it was a pretty good issue because you know who appears in that one, don't you? Frankie the Jawa? <laughs> I, I won't spoil it if you don't know, but for, I don't one, know. for one issue, they were allowed to take one character out of the box and, uh, and play with him briefly, and, uh, and it's pretty cool. But that's all I'm going to say on that. They will save that one for uh, that's going to be a ways down the road. Because next month will be Return of the Jedi month, but after that we'll uh, we'll be on to the post Jedi era, and I'm looking, f- I'm actually looking forward to, believe yeah. it or not, I'm looking forward to Jawas of Doom because I remember yeah. it being a pretty good story. I what did you What did you think of uh, of Ellie? I the, um, I thought it was an okay story. I thought it was a good way to t- tie up the Tavanis thing, but this is obviously the the final shore up to Jedi. So you get Admiral Akbar, um, you know, you're, you, 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 they're just tying up the loose ends. I think the art in this, in a lot of what, well, you get to see Luke in his black outfit, you know, in his, yeah. his dark, his outfit he shows up in tattooing in. Um, yeah, I think the art, I think they were trying to evoke the style of Al Williamson. In this, mm-hmm. with the colors, with the art, and I think they were doing that to, to just sort of crossfade it into the Al William, you know, the Al Williamson art that was going to come in Jedi. Right. So you got you got uh, I mean there I mean like the the pictures of Luke in his in his um in his dark outfit look kind of photo referenced. They look photo referenced in the same way some of Al Williamson's photo referenced stuff. Look, so I think that's kind of a neat idea to, to to do that. So, I I like this. I I thought Ellie is definitely she looks like the robot from Metropolis. Yes, with a pair of Fredericks of Fre- Fredericks of Hollywood crotchless panties on. <laughs> they totally look like a pair of crotchless panties with garters or something. Yeah. You know, it's it's a, it's borderline. It's 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 a little weird because she's like. Has is she's a fembot with this beautiful curvy body, but no breasts. If you're gonna yeah. make curvy, if you're gonna bother to put a nice ass and crotchless panties on her, why not put breasts on her? You know, uh, and 
uh, the uh, granted it would look kind of awkward with a restraining bolt sitting sticking out of your breast but <laughs> but it's you know it's a star wars comic for kids but uh i thought i thought luke the the scene with luke fighting with his lightsaber was once again frank miller reminiscent you know of a daredevil sort of there was a lot of sword fighting in daredevil and and there was there was a lot of stuff like that sort of long thin panels you know there's four long thin panels that, that of luke fighting and you know just a few simple movements and you see how both the stormtroopers go down and then the last one is him sort of posing with his lightsaber in the air and like you see the end of a of a blaster and the end of the other stormtroopers hands as they hit the ground you know it's very frank miller like which was very you know like um lone wolf and cub type style so i, I like that it, i thought it was i thought it was a good story i think the whole c3po you know falling for the droid sort of the subtext of it was kind of stupid you know it's just like oh we have two droids let's get them together you know hey you know you know who needs a, a love interest c3po I thought R two D two was his love interest. I thought that I thought they were the bickering gay robots, you know. So that that's what they call <laughs> I, those. I know you never I saw. Actually, you don't watch The Simpsons. It's, no, but it's, I have heard that before, and it actually that actually bothers me greatly. But <laughs> I, I won't go into it too much. I don't want to get yeah. hate mail. But yeah, it, that always kind of bugged me because you know why can't they just be buddies? Why why does there have to be something sexual involved in it? Yeah, yeah it's like Ernie and Bert, you know. <laughs> You know, people always get suspicious of that. And, and A, what 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 actually makes what act, what gender is R two D two anyway? Right. C three PO has a man's voice. There's nothing masculine or feminine. I mean, R two's maybe more feminine than he is masculine. Like I don't know what you would consider him. You know, he's got a rounded boob top, but he could be could. Yeah, you know, thinking of. Thinking yeah, but he also has gender that, at all is like kind of ridiculous. Where that thing comes out and he plugs into to computer sockets and all. So that could be a that space dildo. Oh yeah, I guess so. Could be. Oh, that would be one day, way to endear yourself to fellow robots, I guess. So to be the never mind, I'm not going there. Star Wars, <laughs> they have light dildos. <laughs> <laughs> What else but, you got on this one? And Darth Maul's woman had a double, <laughs> had <laughs> a double model. <laughs> that's about that's about all I had. I, I I this was an enjoyable one. the The story was okay. I actually enjoyed the art in it. I yes. I didn't. It wasn't as good as the last issue. I really enjoyed. It's really funny. You have the same team. You have the same team, but. I, I'm telling you, they were trying to draw like the way the faces are drawn. They don't have that rounded, organic look. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of uh, I have a feeling that they were looking at what Al, Al Williamson was drawing for Jedi and using that as their their reference to to do this. You know, like Luke in his black outfit and and just. Because it's very, it's got that Flash Gordon, I almost want to say newspaper yeah, strip art style, you know, that that um, Prince Valiant almost, you know, 
characters running in the background with uh, there, there's there's a there's a page where they're about to take off with Ellie in the Falcon and they're running towards the foreground and and in the foreground of the first frame is just like a uh, a root from a tree with a little lizard sitting on it right and that's very Al Williamson very much so and uh yeah I I enjoyed it I I I thought I I think it's a nice nice subtle and and as um graceful as you're gonna get to transition into uh jedi you know mm-hmm. without actually going all right you know having having scenes of them suiting up and and getting into their disguises for jabba's palace which they couldn't do anyway you know right. so it's so so they transition it without giving away anything in jedi Except maybe Admiral Akbar's name, which is you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, even when you're reading it, you're when you were reading this, you know, there's no way you were gonna be like, ooh, that could be a character in the next movie. You know, you're just thinking it's just some name they made up for him to report into. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's it's a nice little Easter egg now, but I liked it. I liked it. I want to say that the the newspaper strip might have done something similar like that with Akbar too, but I forget now. It's been a while since I've read that stuff. Um, again, I feel it bears repeating. I love this opening splash page. In fact, I, I like the whole the whole opener. Um, it's like the first uh, you know the first page is a splash, and then the first like page two, and then like the first four panels of of the third page. I love it. It's just it's filled with tension. You can feel the tension in this sequence. Just the way it's drawn. There's a lot of shots of like people sweating in their eyes and stuff. It's really dynamic as this squad of troopers is walking by them, and stupid C three PO almost blows their you know their cover, their spot that they're hiding in. And you can see Luke following the troopers with his eyes and and thinking, you know, you know, hoping that they're not going to turn around. And then one trooper does turn around. And you can see them all just like holding their breath. It's great. It's very tension filled. And I love the way it's drawn. It's it's really dynamic stuff. Um, I noticed and, you know, it's funny because I don't normally take notice of these kind of things, but it kind of jumped out at me for some reason. Did you notice Leia's hair in this? For this being the last pre-Return of the Jedi issue, she's gone back to the buns from Star Wars. And on the opposite page, and God, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the modern artist who used to do the single frames of, like, you know, a crying woman from a romance comic. It's just on the tip of my tongue, his name. Oh, yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. He would isolate a single frame or yeah. I don't know if he made him up from whole cloth or what. But the last frame of Leia with her bun like that looks like one of those. You're right. Looks like one of those paintings. You know, it's just a very it looks like it's out of a romance comic. It's like you just need the teardrop coming out of her eyes and going, <laughs> Sub, why won't Han Solo, you know, love me the same way that Luke, you know, I love Han Solo, but but something about luke skywalker we're so close you know or something you know i, <laughs> I want to kiss him but gasp he's my brother you know? <laughs> yeah that's what it should say <laughs> is it wrong that i feel this way about him yeah that uh that scene of luke fighting this i just love it it's brutal 
Because the one's coming at him like he's going to butt him in the head with his rifle. And Luke turns on him, and he's hacking off his arm, but it also looks like he's cleaving the front of his Stormtrooper helmet in two. Yeah, there's, and like, the, there's like pieces coming off the front of this Stormtrooper helmet. It's like Luke spun in a circle, because he's, he continues to spin. When he comes back around again, he lops off the head of the next trooper, and then it looks like the trooper behind him it looks like he's also cut that guy in half. So the guy lost an arm, half his face, and then got cut in half too. It's like, gee, I mean, it's really yeah. for this he's, it's brutal. He's good and dead. Yeah. I like it. I think it looks really cool. Oh, uh, what else do we got? Uh, again, with using the millennium Falcon to sneak into an Imperial base. This, this yes. trick's gotten very old by this point. I just have to point that out. Unless, um, Unless that model of Corellian freighter is just like uh, uh, your average semi truck or something, you know. <laughs> I guess. But still, the Millennium Falcon is the pork chop express of space semi trucks. So, <laughs> come on. That panel—it's on the page that you pointed to, where the lizards on the on the whatever that is, rock or tree limb or root or whatever. The bottom of that—that that great shot of—it's like a pouring down rainstorm. And you've got a lightning bolt flashing and silhouetting the Millennium Falcon as it's lifting off. I like that. That's really nice. Yes, I agree. It reminds me of, you know, a little while after this, you know, the the cover to Dark Knight number one is very similar to that. You know, where it's a lightning crack in the background silhouetting Batman jumping. This is almost the same thing. Just replace Batman with the Millennium Falcon pretty much. It's, It's almost the same picture, but it's really cool. Um... Again, 3PO is awfully trusting of Ellie right off the bat, and you'd think they'd learn their lesson about that sort of thing. He's smitten. He is. Well, on the opposite page from that, too, is where Luke is popping the uh, the tape of Tay Vanis in um, uh-huh. that outfit, and everything about that next-to-last panel right there, um, that's my senior picture, dude. <laughs> right, you're right. <laughs> Which I think you posted online at one time or on our forum or something, didn't you? Yeah, I think yeah, I think I put I think I put so I think I put Luke's head on it actually. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> it's cool though. I do like that. Um, I noticed that there's a whole lot of play about you know the Bothan tapes and Bothan this and Bothan that. However, um, they never do show any Bothans, which I guess means Marvel probably had no idea what a Bothan looks like. I don't know that we've ever gotten Bothans at all. I, I don't know that I would know what they look like, but I really did. I had they can convinced, look like people for all we know. Yeah, yeah. I, I had convinced myself that Tay Vanis and the other dude whose name I forgot now, the other guy they were looking for, I had convinced myself that they were the Bothan spies which they it turns out they're not but I'm glad that I my memory sort of half ass worked out that they, it was involved it, somehow or other yeah they, they, the they yeah um the again with the Vader thing it was cool and all and I really liked him showing up and all and I even liked his little speech but ultimately at the end I I still feel like it was kind of like okay what what was yeah. the point of that whole thing it was a classic Star Wars hey Vader's in this issue but he's a hologram so it's it's the whole it's the whole imaginary story <laughs> sort of thing. Wait, Superman's not really dead. It was oh, it was an imaginary story. But the thing here, where is it? I'm trying to 
find where is it? I'm sorry. Take me out. It would be so much easier to do these if uh, they would give you the freaking page number. Yeah. Oh, here it is. It's it's in the very last. It's where Ellie is handing the tapes to C-3PO. She says, forgive me for not identifying myself sooner, but I had waited so long for the Rebels to come. I had to be sure you were the right ones. All right, this is going to seem awfully nitpicky, I realize. But remember how the other robot or the other droid totally flipped out at the mention of the name Luke Skywalker? And then right. when, they were, they, when they were on the fish planet, you know, the people there were like practically worshiping Luke and Leia because they claimed that, it was one of the two rebel guys, Tavanis or the other guy, had talked about them so much that they had been built up to like this legendary status. So how the hell does why doesn't Le know who these people are? You know, at the mention of right. Luke, Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa, she should have been like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah." You know, instead, well, supposedly Luke is a great the is, the robots love Luke too. <laughs> yeah, this is true. You know, he's a he's a robot lover or a droid lover. Yeah, he's got a reputation that precedes yep. him across the galaxy. I agree with you. Uh, robot love, yeah, never. You know, at, at the risk of hate mail because I, you know, I hate hologram, you know, love, and now I hate robot love. I guess, but yeah, I guess I'm sorry. I don't buy it. You know, I like that they're very human like and they have their little feelings and. You know, I, 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 you know, R2D2, I, the whole nine yards, but still, Robot Love, eh, it's a little much. It's a little much. Crying C3PO at the end was just a, it was a bridge too far for me. And, uh, yeah, well, we got Crying Lando in an earlier episode. We might as well get a Crying 3PO. And I have a theory that you do not want to be a Rebel General right before a new movie is going to come out because something sinister happens to you. We saw it happen to, to General Dodonna, and then Empire comes out. We've never seen him again, never never mentioned again. And now General Riken. You know, General Riken's been a been a player in these books this whole time. Now all of a sudden Return of the Jedi's coming out, it's Admiral Akbar. Where the hell's General Riken? <laughs> so it's, there's there's a conspiracy going on here to off the generals when it's time for the new movie. Well, high-ranking people in Star Wars just don't make it very long on either side. You know, <laughs> you just get sent to work for Darth... When, when you're an asshole, they send you to work for Darth Vader because they know he's going to choke you out at some point. <laughs> but overall, yeah, I like this one. I like this one a lot. I, I did think it was a I good I think story. Leia's been having affairs with all these generals, and then they get sent <laughs> off somewhere else to avoid trouble with Han Solo and See, Luke. They're like... Put them on. Put them on the in the outer, you know, the outer realms of the galaxy, <laughs> and keep them out of trouble here. I was waiting. I set that one all up for you. I was. I was wondering if you were going to take the bait on that one because I know that's your your pet theory. And it's you a know trap. what? After that, somebody sent us a panel from what was it like the newspaper strip or something? Remember of of Leia and 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 uh, Dodonna getting oh right it where she was blowing him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, that was that dream I had. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it was something close to that though. Remember they were they were at like they were dancing like you know, like dirty dancing or something. Yeah. It's like some imperial party or something. Remember? Yeah. This yeah, was yeah. a while back, but yeah, it did lend in very nicely to your theory that yeah. Leia's got a, a hots for a man with high rank. Yep. In a in a in a science lab coat, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Science teacher lab coat. <laughs> yeah. And a bushy Santa Claus beard. Yeah. 
But that's it for this time, folks. That is it. Yep. The end of the pre-Return of the Jedi era. Next month, all month Get long. Get ready. Yep. Yeah. Return of the Jedi month. We're going to cover the comics. We're going to cover the movie a couple of times. We're going to do a straight-up episode just, you know, kind of talking about the movie. We're going to do a commentary. And we'll do another one that's kind of... What did we decide to call it? It was like the, the merchandise, the... Marketing merchandise and some memories. Memories, that was it. <laughs> Thanks for the memories, that was it. And you'll have to wait till that episode to see why we're going to talk about memories and <laughs> Return of the Jedi and why it's actually going to make sense. At least to us. <laughs> <laughs> as much as any of our episodes ever make sense. Yeah. So I hope you guys like Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, remember, if you like our show, uh, tell a friend. You know, tell somebody. Uh, post about it. You know, when you're listening to episodes, post about it on Facebook or Twitter or something. You know, spread the word out there for Two True Freaks. Spread the gospel of Two True Freaks. Yes. Gospel according to Two True Freaks. We appreciate it. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.twotruefreaks.libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs>
your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hey, you. Yes, you, hearing this message. Do you like podcasts? Well, evidently you do, because you're listening to one right now. Do you like giant monsters? Of course you do. Who doesn't like giant monsters? Well, then have I got the show for you. Earth Destruction Directive is the newest Daikaiju podcast on the Internet. And we talk about all your old favorites, like Godzilla, Rodan, King Ghidorah, and Gamera, but also lesser-known monsters, like Gappa, Yangari, and Giawa. We cover everything from movies to comic books to video games, and we're kicking it old school at earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com. Check it out, won't you? And remember, the EDD has got their eyes on you! 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 James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? We violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! What are you scratching at? Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare attack. All hands, battle station. Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Yes. Yes. Okay, it says recording. Okay, now it says recording. Okay, that was weird. See, when I made it... a little muffled. Do I? Yeah. Do I need to restart? Yeah, you sound completely... You sound completely, like, kind of muffled. Yeah, my last recording on with Michael for Tales through the whole episode, I sounded like shit. I, if I had sounded it's, like it's, that to it's him, Skype, it's Skype because yeah. I just heard your voice do a little Skype bubble in there when you were talking. So yeah, maybe you should call me back and see if it all right it takes better. All right, I'll be right back. My ear can just pick out those little s- s- Skype gurgles when they happen. <laughs> oh yeah, there we. That's better. Surprise!
<laughs> How's that? Is that any better? That is better. All right. I can hear your creaky chair. Creaky chair. No, uh, this chair is about is about. <clears throat> doesn't have much longer for this world. What I'd started to to say though was, um, depending on how long we go for Star Wars Monthly Monday, I might take a little break in between the two shows. Oh, that's fine, man. Uh, other than that, I am good to go. I do, I do not want to be up late tonight if we're uh, if we're getting together for uh, the re-record at, at at noon. Well, so we it, up, we like, could crazy late. Like the the Hess show. I say we try for, if we get more than an hour, great. But we try for to just get around an hour for it, and if it because you know we can sideline stories and talk about the ancillary black you know Black River characters and right. stuff to put to paint the picture of Heshness throughout it. But that works. You know, I I didn't even take any notes because I was like, I'm just gonna go into fucking. Oh yeah, I see. Just story shoot recounting. The, yeah, just shoot the shit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And because I, I was like, you know, that that will actually end up being way more fun <laughs> than than some, uh, you know, unless you know, a uh, formal, you know, Peter Hesh was, you know, right. Peter Hesh was a man, not a normal man. <laughs> he was a pickled little man with no teeth. <laughs> yes, a pickled peat. <laughs> Pick a pack of pickled peats. Picked a pack of peach snops. <laughs> All right, are we ready to get into this shit? Sure. Who's bringing it in? You want me to bring it in, or you want to bring it in? I'll bring it in. All right. This is thirty-four, by the way. Thirty-four. You are correct, sir. But uh, hang on one second. I gotta yell at the kids because they're doing. You filthy little bastards! <laughs> Put your clothes on and get the dog out of the dryer. <laughs> Go lay down. All right, they they settled down now. Maybe Missy went to beat him into submission. Nice. All right, where the hell was I? Watch. <laughs> You know, sometimes it sucks actually having the paper issues because then it means I can't eat anything because I don't want to get my comics all messed up. I'm starving. I was like riding home from work and I'm like, holy shit, I've got to stop and get something to eat now or I'm not going to have a chance to eat anything. <laughs> and I, I apologize. There was one time in there I thought I put the I put, I thought I put my mute on when I was and I'm like eating some chicken and I like put down the styrofoam box and I realized I'm like, oh, I wasn't muted and like so I probably had a styrofoam box going Although food is becoming like a uh, a very popular topic. I'm telling you, breaks. it's about ready to start Food Monthly Monday here because well, it is. Well, I, I was talking about it when, with my two roommates and I said, yeah, we're, you know, maybe we should do like a fast food podcast and my roommate who loves fast food was like, ooh. He's like, I think I'm actually subscribed to a, a fast food podcast, but it only comes out every like two months and it's only like two minutes long. I'm like, no, nope, that wouldn't be ours. <laughs> I have a feeling <laughs> ours would be a little longer than that. I'd be afraid it would just encourage me to eat more fast food, which I'm trying not to do. 
Well, I got to tell you, you know, I'm in, yeah, my budget has gone down, so definitely my food, I'm eating more delicious crap food, but that's because it's cheaper. So, yeah, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being bad. And we, what we got to learn is to talk about it without actually doing it. Right. (laughs) That's the hard part. All right, are we? Uh, you want you want to lead in this one, and then I'll. Uh... Yeah, I'll do that. All right, are we all set? Yes. 